Welcome to Leaving a Legacy, a podcast focusing on the legacy format and the New England magic experience with your host, Adrian. I, and I think Tin Fins is just, um, it could, maybe it's crack. And Jerry. I'm going to say two things to you right now, and they're going to contradict each other. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one pairings have been posted. Hey guys, welcome to Leaving a Legacy. This is episode 16. I'm Adrian. And I'm Jerry. How you doing, Jerry? Oh, pretty good. Uh, it sounds like people really liked last week's episode with Medina, so that was some real good feedback we got. Yeah, now we're 16. I think we can drive now. Yeah, we're 16. We can drive. <laughs> um, so we are going to drive to uh, the West Coast and get ready for the Legacy GP in about uh, eight months. Oh, in about eight months, yeah. Well, it'll take yeah. me eight months to figure out how I'm going to drive there. I don't know if I'm – I'm still not planning on going to Seattle. <laughs> I, w- I, wish, I wish you luck, my good man. Um, but Yeah, it's – that's a long way to think about. But, I mean – being 16, uh, we got, uh, what, scratch tickets right around the corner, and then... Uh, oh, so can, uh, smoking. So oh, smoking, smoking and scratch tickets, there we go. Two more episodes and we're old enough to smoke. I'm just trying to figure out when am I old enough to quit. Yes. <laughs> so, you had your birthday this weekend. Yeah. How was it? Oh, man. <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, went down, uh, for New England listeners, went down to, uh, Mohegan Sun, which is a nice little Indian (laughs) casino reservation, Mm. uh, in Connecticut, and just gambled until the wee hours of the morning. Uh, Adrian came down and visited me. I got to finally meet the lovely Lita. Yeah, yeah. She's lovely. Yeah, so that was, that was awesome. Uh, Adrian came down, handed me, uh, some, some of the foil proxies he's been working on, which I thought was hilarious because I'm, I'm on the casino floor, like going through them, looking at the, the foil proxies, and I'm just picturing it's gonna be really, really funny if some pit boss comes over thinking I'm trying to like do like marked cards or something like that. <laughs> like, what, what do you got there? I'm like, magic cards. Yeah, they'd be pretty obviously marked <laughs> by the back, right? Yeah, it's like, I am not trying to cheat at blackjack. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but the, now the ones that I the ones I got to you that, that finished that did finish the list that you sent me right yeah that I have everything for EDH now nice nice uh, until until the next brew comes along <laughs> yep no, you uh, just, keep keep me posted because I'm I'm uh I'm not you know I'm not I mean you could tell by what they are they're not I'm not making counterfeits <laughs> they're not that good they're just uh. <laughs> they're the things we wish wizards would print for us, but since they're not going to print them for us, we'll make them ourselves. <laughs> did I did I get the chance to show you the swamp I made though? No, I haven't seen that. You know, I was talking about doing some things over the Grizzle Branch so that it would actually be tournament legal and playable, mm-hmm. and um, I made a couple of basic lands that I kind of altered. Yeah. That method wise would be tournament legal if the art wasn't so uh, risque. <laughs> The, the head judge wouldn't let that artwork sit on the table. Um, okay. So, well, for our diehard legacy fans, rest assured, we got plenty of legacy action coming at you for tonight. Yeah. Did you? Um. So we just had the Philadelphia. Yeah. And, exactly. And I, I noticed it. What was the attendance there? Almost uh, five, yeah, five hundred sixty-six players. Yeah, I know 183 made day two, which is pretty crazy. Um, which 
I was at first kind of upset when Star City announced the the changes they were making because it made it seem like they were yanking the support out from under Legacy. Mm-hmm. But seeing them go through the process, there you know there may not be the video coverage, but they're still posting the deck lists. So long as they're posting the deck list, that's what I'm really concerned about because that's what people go to for references. Mm-hmm. Um, it sucks we can't really watch streams of it as much anymore. But I'm almost happy giving up the streaming aspect in return for essentially getting you know three possibly more legacy GP equivalents a year. Um, you know, we basically just quadrupled the number of major legacy tournaments that are on a national scale, which is awesome in my opinion. Yeah, I just, you know, I w- so I went down to New Jersey and I got a hotel room in Jersey. I don't know that I would have done the same thing for Philadelphia. I was tempted to at least go down there, you know, and maybe mess around with day one. Um, yeah, if I don't know if I would have booked a hotel for it. Yeah, if it wasn't my birthday weekend, I would have done. I would have gone down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the value is definitely there, just in terms of experience, if, let alone you know prize support. And prize support is still pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, it also just the chance of playing in legacy tournaments of that scale don't come around all that often. So it's when it's within reasonable limits, I'll go to it. Mm. Um, but also, as far as you know, them not streaming it. Uh, the reason why it's a good trade off for me is you know we go to the legacy Sundays. It's that entertainment. Yeah. So I'm usually not watching the Star City streams anyways, just because I'm playing in events myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally fine with giving up streams. I know there's plenty of people in you know more isolated parts of the country that don't have the luxury of being able to go to Legacy every Sunday. Who that was their bread and butter. Right. Um, but hopefully this just means that the fact that they're more narrowed down to larger tournaments that gives people incentives to travel and hopefully get the numbers up on these Legacy tournaments because. Now that they're not happening every week in such consistency, when they do happen, it's more of a big deal. So it has more fanfare, which just draws more people in. Hmm. That's kind of why. That's one theory I heard why the legacy GPs are some of the largest GPs in history, because they only happen once a year. So when they happen, everyone goes to them. You know, you'll be meeting people from Germany, uh, you know, Tokyo, all over the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go to a limited or a standard GP, well, that happens every week. So you're only going to go to it if it's close by. But the Legacy GP, it doesn't matter where it is. There's only one that year. You're going to it. Okay. Hmm. All right. So, so what are you telling me? I should think twice about Seattle? <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be putting little subliminal messages. <laughs> <laughs> just Not just for you, for our listeners, too. Just, it's the smoke. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have, uh, I've never been to that Mox Cafe. and uh, yeah, Okay, now you tempted me. I know, right? So I, I hope the the psychological effects of just the larger event, bigger fanfare, actually increases the numbers and makes it into more of a big deal. Mm-hmm. But uh, this one that just happened certainly didn't disappoint. Some spicy things went down. Uh, do you know what I'm referring to, Adrian? No. Um, if you've been, if you saw any of the coverage, what the buzz about was the deck that won. Uh, which also had a carbon copy of it, it coming in fifth place as well, was uh, Rug Delver, now known as Teamer Delver for you newbies. And the big change-up is they replaced Nimble Mongoose with another old-school one-drop. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what that old-school one-drop is? I can guess, but I'm actually looking at it. So. <laughs> cheater. Cheater, <laughs> cheater, cheater. <laughs> uh, our good friend Curd Ape has made an appearance. And I cannot remember the last time I saw a Curd Ape in play. Okay, yeah. 
Um, also, it's running Stifle, which is another old school uh, Rug Delver card that hasn't really seen that much play uh, lately. Um, the one that won wasn't running it, but the one that came okay. in fifth place was running it. All right. And that's definitely something that's fallen out of favor, but I always liked, so I'm kind of happy to see that come back. Hmm. Um, Kurt Ape, though, looking at it on paper just doesn't seem like it's good enough for Legacy. I mean, it's a 2-3 for one with nothing else. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine how that handles a Monastery Swift Spear. After it's like a Cataxian probe, like, like why why they're running that instead of Monastery Swift Spear? Well, no. How are they blocking Monastery? Like, um, it's not just for blocking Monastery. It's they they want to be on the aggressive plan. Sure, but, but they have it, to they have to match against an aggressive deck. Well, that's what the Tarmogoyf's for. The Tarmogoyf is for Monastery Swift Spear. Curd Ape is just there for the early damage. All right, because uh, a Monastery Swift Spear can't block a Curd Ape. Sure. Um, unless they brainstorm, right? Right, but that involves uh, that that deck likes to tap out because they want right. It likes to it likes to attack and go aggro. Exactly. So if you if you get them doing that, you're winning anyways because you're putting them on the back foot. Mm-hmm. It may not feel like winning, but you're definitely not letting them do what they want to do. Hmm. Um, and the reason why Kurt Ape's in there, um, for those who may not have uh, picked up on it, the reason why Kurt Ape's in there over Nimble Mongoose, which has traditionally been the mainstay is uh, Treasure Cruise. Right. Uh, Treasure Cruise and Nimble Mongoose are a non-bow. So people have been looking for a replacement. You know, Young Pyromancer saw play, but it was just a little bit too expensive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going down the list, I can't really think of another creature I would want in that spot other than Kurt Ape. It doesn't look the best on paper, but when you compare it to anything else, it really beats it out. Like, you don't really want a uh, Goblin Guide in that spot. It's doing the same amount of damage as Goblin Guide, has one more toughness, and doesn't give the uh, bonus of giving your opponent lands, which you really don't want to be doing in a tempo deck. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be giving your opponent lands when you're trying to get Days and Wasteland active. Hmm. Um, so that's why Goblin Guide's not in there. Um, and then other one-drops just don't really fit. The Monastery Swift Spear is a different deck. It's all it's more like a burn deck where Rug Delver's tempo. Right. Uh, Monastery Swiss Bear, uh, you know, Bob mentioned it when, uh, Bob first came on the cast, uh, you know, what, about six episodes ago now? <laughs> 15, <laughs> Way Jerry. back in the day. Way back in the day. <laughs> uh, 11 episodes ago. 11 episodes. <laughs> okay. Time flies. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, Bob mentioned, uh, back when he came on that Swiss Bear really limits the deck choices. Uh, you can't play cards like Stifle. Um, it, it just, you can't really play a lot of counter magic because you just want to be casting as many spells on your turn. You don't want to be doing any reactive, uh, which is what Rug Delver excels at. Dropping a threat and then reacting to your opponent and preventing them from doing anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Curd Ape on paper doesn't look good, but when you kind of stack it up against the rest of the format and what the deck wants to do, it actually works out really well. Hmm. Any any thoughts on the matter? Uh, on Curd Ape? Yeah. Um, no, not terribly. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm really not, uh, I've, I've never been a fan of the rug deck, just playing it myself. It's just not my type of deck. Um, there was, I think I, I gotta dig up Twitter for a second here because there was, there was a mention, um, not a mention, but let me see what, I, what the hell did I favorite. 
Oh, are you referring, uh, I think I know what you're talking about, uh, Jeffrey Davis's tweet about, uh, Sneaking Show? How the hell did you pull up a name so fucking quick? I, I am prepared. <laughs> I <have> shit together. <laughs> How the hell? Yep, uh, I'm telling you, man, like, Medina blew up my feed, man. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Jeffrey Davis, um. Oh yeah, he brought up a good point. Yeah, so, I wanted to start to, Go over this only because um, number what must have been either third or fourth place was sneak attack. Yes. And uh, so Jeffrey Davis um, getting into legacy and he's playing sneak and show. And I guess he wanted our thoughts on two Jace or two Overmaster in the main. The rest is stuck. Exactly. And I feel this is going to be a pretty good discussion because the list that placed in third is not what I agree with. <laughs> <laughs> and I am on the same yep, level. <laughs> so we, we're, going to have to, we're going to have to defend ourselves quite well in order to justify our opinion in, in Let me... the face of blatant results. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh wait, what the hell is that old quote? I reject your reality and substitute my own. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, so, yeah, ha- have at it. What, why don't you like... Uh, so, just to give some context, uh, Jeffrey Davis hit us up on Twitter asking, uh, hey, guys, getting into Legacy, Sneak and Show, uh, thoughts on two Jace the Mind Sculptor or two Overmaster in the main, uh, rest is stock. Uh, big fan of the cast. So, thanks for the question, Jeffrey. Yeah, uh, definitely a good debate we're going to have here. Yeah, yeah thanks for the... Uh yeah, thanks for the topic, Jeff. Um, so, uh, you want to go first with this, Jerry? Or you want me to go first? Uh, I just, I just, uh, you know, spewed on about Kurt Abe for ten minutes. So you can go, go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, for for me, and of course, uh, take this in the context. I am definitely not Brad Nelson, um, and uh, you know, Peter Johnson is also not Brad Nelson. But you know, the advice on sneak attack from a pro. I'd follow Brad Nelson. Um, my own Brad Nelson. Brad Nelson. Brad yeah, Nelson. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll defer. I'll, I'll defer to uh, his opinion. As far as my own, um, in playing Sneak Attack myself, sometimes I just can't get the show and tell to resolve or whatever it is. If I can land a Jace, I can at least control my opponent's top deck until I'm able to do something myself. I always love to have one Jace because even if I can. Um, Activate sneak attack, put Emrakul down. I can bounce Emrakul at the end of turn before I have to sack him and reactivate him next turn again. Uh, using Jace's bounce ability for my own creature, my own threat, um, has been valid. It's also been valid where at one point, and I've used Jace, I've used Jace in sneak and show. I've also used Jace in Omni show, um, and he's been valid in both decks. I'm not as big a fan of Overmaster in Sneak and Show as I am in Omni Show. The Blue Red Omni Show I used to run Overmaster because the, the deck was based on sorceries and I need to make them uncounterable. At this point now, against that Miracles deck a few weeks ago, I think I would debate whether I wanted to use uh, Besiju Who Shelters All or Overmaster. Uh, I kind of really do like Besiju. Yeah, <laughs> I, I may have ordered some of those uh, from the Vault foil ones because they look so sweet. Yeah, and I, so. and, I, and I can see this deck list has a besiege you in the sideboard anyway. Right, um, right. After experience. With oh, that, I actually just, I just did you notice it sideboards into Omni Show? Well, a lot of a lot of show and tell decks have been playing omniscience out of the sideboard because you know sometimes people will side in the extra creature removal or the edict effects so that you can, um, you know, the thing is like you take the, you take the threats away. Right, well, I start bringing in pithing needles for sneak attack. Okay, ah. well, now I now I just show and tell an omniscience and cast Emrakul. 
Gotcha. Like it's it's a very you know most of the most of the decks that are targeting mono blue omni show you know there's there's the the theory that when you play against a show and tell deck you're either going to face sneak and show or you're going to face omni show and the way you're going to side into those decks is different you know depending on what you're facing against you're either going to bring in more needles or you're going to bring in more um, maybe Gaddick Teague. Ah. You, know, you know what I mean? But now, if you if I show and tell in, um, like against omniscience, what's the what's the uh, spirit of the labyrinth? You know, it, it, so if you see me as Omni Show game one, you're gonna probably bring in spirit of the labyrinth. Well, now I bring in sneak attack. You know, what good does that do? I got gotcha. you. Know, yeah. So, so like, there's, there's there's a there's a theory to going between both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and when I was playing the blue red Omni Show deck, which I loved, and it was sorcery speed. Uh, I was weak to Rishadon Port, but I was always, it was put to me that the blue-red Sorcery Speed Omni Show deck that I was playing was just a weaker version of Sneak and Show. It's just a, like a cheaper version, because you don't have to get the sneak attacks, you get Omniscience, and you don't have to get four Emrakuls, you get uh, whatever the hell, uh, yeah, one. Into the Infinites. Yeah. Yeah, one Emrakul and four Into the Infinite. And in playing the decks that I've played that, that have uh, used those cards and utilized them, I, f- I found for myself, Jace has been valid at least as a one-of in both decks, Omni Show and, and Sneak and Show. And maybe this is a best-case scenario mentality, but down, um, I don't know, one of the SCG Opens, I think I was playing the Omni Show deck and I was playing against Sneak and Show, but I landed Jace. And at the top deck of my opponent, I could see he had a Gataxian Probe, and I didn't want him to cantrip past it. So dur- in his draw step, I surgical extracted a Gataxian Probe that was in his grave. Because it's you know he's sorcery speed with a Gataxian probe, mm-hmm. so I was able to rip that card out of his hand and make sure that he wasn't able to get anyway because he had a sneak attack down. He was just looking for a threat, and I was using Jace to keep him away from a threat. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, so so Jace has had a power as far as um you know controlling your opponent's deck when you're trying to land your own combo, whereas Overmaster, especially in the face of like a counterbalance, if they just get counterbalance and top, you can't even resolve the Overmaster. Oh yeah, anyway. that's that's the worst possible thing. It's it doesn't matter if you have Overmaster if you can't resolve Overmaster in the first place. Right. So I mean, there's there's uh, uh me personally, the Overmaster was good in the Blue Red Omni Show deck. Um, I, I'm not a fan of it in Sneak and Show. Eight Enablers seems good enough. I think I know there's been times where um, Brad Nelson has played Overmaster, and uh, you know I'm not familiar with his justification for it. And of course I'm not going to knock it. Um, you know my personal preference is at least one Jace. And if I actually had a flex spot, I might put an Overmaster in. But I think I like Besiege you better. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, so kind of just playing Devil's Advocate the. One benefit people always bring up with Overmaster is that it's cheap. It's only one red. Right. Um, but I don't even think that's a valid argument in itself. Because in order to use Overmaster, you have to be pairing it with Show and Tell. So that brings you up to four right there. So if you have four mana to cast Overmaster into Show and Tell, you have four mana to cast Jace. So in any of those situations, Jace is actually easier to cast because he's only blue where you don't actually need red if you get wasted out from under you. That's a good point. Um, the second reason why people run Overmaster is, you know, for what the card does, uh, you know, it's one red, the next instant or sorcery spell you play this turn can't be countered by spells or abilities, and then draw a card, which is always nice. But everything about that card, Jace does on its own, as well as just being a Jace. So one of the things that really good Sneak and Show players will do is they'll bait out their opponent's counter magic uh, with Jace himself, uh, especially Red Elemental Blasts. 
um, in this current meta with all the red elemental blasts, uh, you know, flying around, mm-hmm. uh, people are going to be casting, uh, you know, a lot of blue hate. And so because of that, you're going to want, uh, Jace to either eat it or show that the way is clear. Because no opponent is going to allow you to resolve a Jace if they can help it. Right. Uh, you know, if you can land a Jace, that means it's clear for the show and tell, which in that case, Overmaster would have done its job. Because if you were Overmastering your show and tell, you would have the same result of Jace next turn show and tell. And th- this way, uh, you also have the ability of having an alternate win condition, which Jace is. Plus, you don't even need to have the show and tell in your hand at that time. You can play Jace and then find it, uh, find the show and tell later. Whereas Overmaster demands for your two card combo to all of a sudden now be a three card combo because now you need Overmaster, show and tell, and a creature to put into play with it. Right. Or unless, you know, um, the oddball plays when you actually show and tell and sneak attack and activate it. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. Now you need five mana. <laughs> yeah, like why? Why would you even bother doing? Like if you have that, you might as well just spend the four mana you have, cast sneak attack. If that gets countered, you can follow it up with show and tell the next turn. Sure. Um, um, the only the only other point that I can see to actually running the overmaster would be coming in out of the sideboard with omniscience. Yeah, I can see that. Also, if you're playing a little bit more of an aggressive deck where you want to resolve it as quickly as possible through soft counters, uh, such as like Daze and Spell Pierce. Okay. Um, I can see that argument, but even that, that benefit is not the same benefit that having a Jace gives you. No, I definitely, I definitely agree with the Jace over the, over Master. At oh, least, at least a one of Jace. Right, because there are going to be those games where your opponent resolves a ensnaring bridge that you have no way to deal with once it's in play. Mm-hmm. And so Jace becomes your win condition. Well, the other thing that's, that's interesting, I don't know if I want to say interesting or odd, but the other thing I do notice about this deck that stands out to me is there is not one copy of Gataxian Probe. Yeah, uh, I, Gataxian Probe's really fallen out of favor with the Sneak Attack, uh, decks. Uh, I think uh, William Jensen uh, put it best uh, when he said, uh, I don't play Gitaxian Probe because I already know what my opponent's hand is. How's that? Just, well, I mean, he's a pro player. so he yeah, just not, not who's that. How's that? How does he already know what his opponent's hand is? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Because he's a pro player, he already knows what his opponent's hand is by, oh, re- oh. by reading your opponent. Oh, okay. Um, so going back kind of to the root of it, Overmaster while on the surface looks like it does everything you want it to do, but in reality it, it does the same things Jace does, but a lot less than what Jace does. Jace does, it checks for counter magic, it allows you to resolve uh, show and tell if they do have that counter magic, and if they don't have that counter magic, now instead of drawing a card, you have a Jace. Hold and, on a second, Jerry. I got a question for you. Sure. <laughs> I want to back up about 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Are you, I don't know how I want to actually put that, are you telling me that uh, I don't need to run Gitaxian Pro because I'm Huey Jensen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what I, what I'm actually saying. You, you said he put it best when he said he knows what his opponent's hand is. I'm like, that doesn't help anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so to kind of expand on that, so, you know, the pro players uh, are the best players, and so when they place with a deck, 
that deck becomes the stock list. So that deck is what other players base their decks off of, whether it's good for them or, or not. Okay. So if the pro players aren't running a taxing pro because they're not getting the value out of it, then other players are going to copy them, even though they themselves could are get them out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, okay. I'm like, all right, so this is just a guy that just blind plays Cabal Therapy, turn one, every game, and nails it. <laughs> like, shit. Well, yeah. That's <laughs> scouting. Doesn't everybody? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so with that, um, it's not necessarily that it's right not to run Gataxian Probe, but it's definitely something I've noticed that of the top sneak and show decks is that they're not running Gataxian Probe anymore okay. because they just don't really need to. Well, they and just don't care. They just they, they got the kind of magic. Right, and they'd rather run uh, Preordained just because it allows them to dig deeper. Yes, uh, yeah, I did notice Brad Nelson was actually doing that at the uh, Invitational. Yep, exactly. They viewed seeing two extra cards as greater than seeing their opponent's hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and you know I've I can I can I, even you know when I heard him say it it, it was making sense to me because I had just recently gone through a, I'm going to play sneak and show this week and um my, you know one of my little sneak and show spells and uh, and it didn't have you know Cataxian probe didn't have the pull in that deck that it has uh, for me in other decks especially in decks that run Cabal therapy also mm-hmm. right you know? um and and I know you've noticed it too with uh, the Grixis. Eli Cassis deck there, um, Grixis Control. Yeah, I've, that deck's really been catching on in popularity. I'd have noticed that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to not seek a taxi and probe. I think um, the main thing I would, you know, I, I I always have to back at least one Jace. I just I love I love Jason. I thought about doing Sneak and Show a little bit different anyway, but I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll table that garbage for another time. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, actually, speaking of Eli Cassis, did you see he came in seventeenth uh, with his? No. Uh, yeah, he came in seventeenth with his Grixis Control deck he pioneered. Oh wow, eighteenth also was somebody else running. Uh, yeah, I kind of just scanning through the pages. There's quite a few Grixis Control lists. Uh, yeah, I guess that is catching on in popularity. Yeah, then. which I mean, I'm pumped because that's the deck I have built online. It's actually pretty cheap to build online. Um, so I put that together, and it's a ton of fun to play. Is it? Yeah, because you can kind of be a little bit of a tempo deck with Young Pyromancer and just, you know, cast a bunch of spells, Cabal Therapy, strip their hand, and then beat them down with tokens. Or you can just play, like, straight control, where you're grinding them out with Jaces and Dak Fadens. Hmm. Um, his list isn't running Jace. Uh, it looks like it's much more on the tempo side with, uh, you know, Young Pyromancer, Snapcasters, True Names... Um, but the other version I've seen, you know, runs two Dak Faden, two Jace, uh, and then just relies on Young Pyromancer as blockers until you can take over the game with uh, your Planeswalkers. Oh, okay. So it's more of a, like, Grixis Planeswalker control thing. Right. You know, like, Innocent, it also runs more copies of Innocent Blood. Innocent Blood works great with Young Pyromancer because you put the token into play and then sack it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's basically, you know, <laughs> one black uh, removal, uh, which is pretty nice, and... Uh, just kind of going through the other lists, the one I wanted to bring up is, did you see Angel Prison, 37th place, Joshua Taylor? Goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> this list is spicy. Um, oh my, oh good god. Yep. <laughs> Running through it for the listeners right now, uh, so win conditions... Uh, three Baneslayer Angel, uh, Stoneforge Mystic, and then a Resto Angel. I'm guessing to get value off of Stoneforge. Uh, Elspeth, Knight Errant. 
and then the rest of the deck is where the spice comes in. If, you know, four angels <laughs> wasn't enough, uh, it's running ghost quarter and you look at that and you're like ghost quarter why is it running ghost quarter and then you glance over and see the crucible of worlds main deck hmm. um so crucible of the worlds plus mox diamond is a combo already pair that with wasteland and ghost quarter and you just decimate your opponent's mana base back that but that that up with a sphere of resistance chalice of the void uh your opponent's not playing anytime soon trinosphere too Ghostly prison, so you can't be attacked. Cataclysm is just the salt in the wound. Even as banishing light. Yep, banishing light. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cataclysm, wrath of God. Ah, man. So you know, one of the things when I look at this deck that I've been thinking about for a while is a way to play Restoration Angel and bounce my Stoneforge Mystic, and that does it. (laughs) That deck does it. (laughs) Pretty sweetly, I may add. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah, so it's it's like a super, super controlling ver- version of Death and Taxes. You know, it has a lot of the same elements of Death and Taxes, but it's much more mana denial based. Uh, I don't even... Really? I don't know, man. I think that the elements to Death and Taxes that this is definitely missing is the low casting cost creatures that are protected by a mother of runes. I mean, this thing's just got uh, lots of artifacts. Like, it almost looks like stacks are... It's definitely some sort of like, oh, looks yeah. like a prison deck, like yeah, it looks like metal old, worker old, or something. Old school metal uh, mono white control decks. Um, you know, you can you can really notice because it could have easily run uh, Thalia, but instead it chose to run Sphere of Resistance. Um, so instead of going with the creature control, you know, running a bunch of hate bears and protecting them, it instead just went with you know old school uh, artifacts and enchantments, just locking your opponent out. I'm gonna put this list in the show notes here. Um, uh, what the hell do I? What's this thing called? What the hell do I want to call this? It's uh, Angel, Angel Prison, Prison which uh, I, I love because usually Star City Games doesn't let you have cute names for your deck, but I guess it, it's fitting enough. <laughs> you lock your opponent out of the game and then beat them down with giant angels. Well, you know, um, so I don't know. Uh, this looks like a deck that just might be after Aaron's heart. <laughs> like the, this, uh, so I, I want to put this link in the show notes so that he can get a chance to check this out anyway. And uh, anybody else who has any interest in using a Restoration Angel to bounce a Stoneforge Mystic, I've been wanting to do that for a while. I just I couldn't figure out how. This this looks, um, man, this looks so cool. <laughs> this looks like a really interesting way to do it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely looks like a very cool deck. Um, cascading through rest of the, you know, 118 odd decks are pretty, pretty standard. Okay. So there's not one in the top eight, but in the top 16, um, 11th and 13th is Saltai Shardless. Yeah. Coming and, back. And I've been, I've been wanting to see more Shardless agents. Um, and actually what I've really been wanting to see too is people playing with not only Ancestral Vision, but also um, Dig Through Time and or Treasure Cruise. I've been wanting to see people hit, you know, as many draw three cards as they can. Because it's, um, 13th wasn't running Treasure Cruise. And actually neither was. Oh, that's interesting. Um, where am I? I'm, in, I'm at 11th? I think I'm at 11th. Yeah, 11th. So in 11th place is... Uh, Joseph Herrera with Shardless Saltai. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, th- these names are really kind of, they're going to get on my nerves. <laughs> Charlotte's bug. <laughs> um, which, that's, it's, uh, Corsair Crufix. Yeah. Have you, have you played against it in Legacy? It's actually a house in Legacy. Really? Corsair Crufix? Oh, yeah. The 2-4 body is actually relevant, uh, gaining life whenever you play land. Uh, and then just being able to play the land off the top of your library, it's actually surprisingly good. Okay. Oh, damn, that's too bad, because I traded them away when I was drafting them in the opening of that set, man. Uh, should have held on to those, because those skyrocketed in price just because of standard, too. Yeah, watch rotation. I'll get them again. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> I want to play the H. <laughs> I'm not even, like, I'm not even worried about that shit. Yeah. Um, but, well, that, the, but oh. yeah, I think it's interesting, too, people are going back to Ancestral Vision, because I feel people have kind of gotten their fill of Treasure Cruise, and now... They don't feel obligated to have to play it now, so they're comfortable with going back to other decks that don't run it or can't run it. Wow, look at that, Jerry. It's John Celso. Oh, man, what a surprise. Well, uh, I could help myself when you heard all these forests or these tropical <laughs> islands and these bayous. I mean, you could, you could cast some pretty mean bears off a of green man out here. Yeah. That is um, me and Jerry were just talking about the bug lists. Because we're noticing, you know, one of the things that I'm noticing now is that, in, so in the top 16, there's two Shardless Bug decks. Or, what are they, what the hell are they calling it? Shardless Sultai. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's, you know, this deck here has four copies of Ancestral Vision, no copies of Treasure Cruise, and I'm surprised to see five Planeswalkers. Well, two Jason, three Liliana. Well, what about two Corsair crew fix for Craig out loud? That's what we were just talking about. <laughs> Legacy All-Star Corsair Kervix. I was t- I was just telling Adrian though I played against the Corsair and it's actually very good in Legacy. Uh, it's, <laughs> oh. in, it's yeah I know I know chuckle 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 but still it's it it does a lot of the things you want it to do. Uh, you know two four body isn't you know nothing it's not the best but it's still something good and then just gaining life and being able to just play anything off the top of your library is pure value. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to cast, what, four cantrips off a of Monastery Swissphere to even get this off the table? Right. Like, exactly. Same. Exactly. You know, say goodbye to, you know, uh, uh, Goblin Guide. Uh, you know, it's, it doesn't really stop at Tarmogoyf that well, but it, it'll at least slow it down. Yeah, well, I mean, even, like, a 3-4 Goyce aren't really going to trade with this thing. Like, you're going to get to a 4-5, and, like, this type of shell will get you there because of the uh, Charlotte's Agent and the Planeswalkers and all that stuff. And yeah. it actually, it does stay out of bolt range, too, I guess. I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not the first time I've seen this in an Eternal format. Like, Jund and Junk were both splashing with Corsair Crufix just to get some lands off the top of their library and playing with fetch lands and doing this kind of the similar tricks that you would do in this particular deck. Yeah. He also plays really well with Jace because you can brainstorm with Jace, put a land on top, and then play it off the top. Ah, oh, it's filthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's actually, that's yeah, that does sound like brainstorming in response to the Goblin Guide attack. Oh, also, I just thought Corsair Crufix makes playing your Shardless Agents a lot less random. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but then your opponent knows... Well, I mean, I guess they're going to know anyway what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're going to know if they're fucked if they're fucked. Well, no, but if, if, like, the, question, the question is, do they want to stifle the Cascade trigger? You know, they, they don't Maybe. have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. Well, what they might do if Corsair becomes, like, the super hot tech that a lot of decks are adapting, uh, the Delver decks might start playing Thought Scour to combat that. 
Like, oh yeah, you got that cool thing on top of your library. Let's get rid of that. Yeah, or uh, Demir Charm. Demir Charm's been seeing playing the regular buzzers. Oh, 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 oh don't you get me started on Demir Charm? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to pick up some Demir Charms. Get get the sweet F and M versions. Those things are so nice. Oh yeah, the bat signal Demir Charm. Yeah, the bat signal Demir Charm is awesome. <laughs> uh, Jerry, I could just alter up my own Demir Charms. Pretty nasty. Now. Oh well, some of us have a laser jet printer. <laughs> no, no, some of us have like all sorts of nonsense, but. Some of us have too much free time, I guess. <laughs> the mirror symbol with the seven show and tell cards all around it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, see, he saw the grizzle brand. Uh, I'm a I'm a proud owner of one of those grizzle brands now. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, so, is there I, the only other thing that I mean, and it's kind of just redundant talking about more bug decks, but uh, Gerard Fabiano in what was it tenth place? You know, his bug deck. Of course, there's no shardless agents. He's just kind of beat your face bug. Uh, with only one treasure cruise and two dig through time. Well, no, stop right there, sir. <laughs> there are some spicy, spicy additions into uh, Gerard Fabiano's version. Okay, counterbalance. <laughs> yeah. Counterbalance, the name of one, and also just like, look how many one-ofs, one and two-ofs in the deck. You know, one Liliana, one Jace, one yeah. Scavenging News, one Snapcaster Mage, one Treasure Cruise, one Ponder, one Golgari Charm, one Counterspell, one Sylvan Library. He's very much going for the... And then even with the lands, one creeping tarpit. Um, he's very much going for kind of like a silver bullet bug list, uh, which what you get to do when you're running Sensei's Divining Tops and Jaces. Okay. Um, so it's very much a I'm prepared for every possible situation type deck. And he does have to, you know, sacrifice a couple of the numbers, namely only one treasure cruise. But it seemed like it worked out pretty well for him, seeing as how he came in 10th. Oh, yeah. I mean, it looks like the, the rate in which... Gerard goes through his deck isn't nearly as fast as your Delver decks. So I can totally see, you know, you taking a while to get to delving enough cards to play a Delve spell like Dig or Treasure Cruise. Mm-hmm. I think when you have a control deck like this, you really want to look for some pinpoint answers rather than just raw card advantage. That's probably where the Dig through times probably satisfy that need a little bit better. Mm. And, and, like, I was playing Bug yeah. Delver over the weekend, which we'll get to, and, like, yeah. I, I thought four, four Treasure Cruise was a little much in that shell because I wasn't going rifling through my deck as fast as Blue Red Delver. I thought three was the right number. So he kind of shows the same thing here. He's got two Dig and one Treasure Cruise. That's your three Delve card selection spells that that kind of makes it up. And, and yeah. And have you guys noticed the one-ups in the board, too, that are pretty sweet, like Thrun? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I see your courser, and I raise you a Thrun. Damn. <laughs> That's so awesome. Oh, also, know what I just noticed? What is missing from the main deck? I just no, noticed just because noticing. it's only in the sideboard. I'm just noticing he's got lightning bolt. figures in the main. <laughs> yes, lightning bolt is missing. <laughs> Good call, John. <laughs> two disfigures in the main, two disfigures in the sideboard. Surprise him. He's going to a four yeah. against. Must be monastery Swiss beer decks, but yeah. I like uh, force. No, I'm looking at actually. Where's force of will? There's only exactly. just two in the side. Yeah, he's got two in the side, no main. That's really surprising. That's because nobody showed up there with ten fins. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, seriously, where have all the combo decks gone in this this top 16? I mean, there's some Storm here or there. Like, Storm, a sneak and show, and then Lance kind of plays fair, Delray plays fair, Grixis Control. Then you have Omnitel, and Els plays, like, pseudo-fair. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not as big of a of an unfair field as, you know, probably some other parts of the country. Right. Hmm. Definitely. Um, also... 
what I noticed too, uh, or I, not that I noticed, uh, a piece of advice I received that I thought was really good was the threat of force of will and the threat of days is more important than the card itself. <laughs> the illusion of security. Yes. I was, t- I was talking about somebody with that the other day. I'm like, if you just took a styrofoam ball and cut it in half and painted it black, people would think there's a camera. Oh, definitely. <laughs> it's, it, it, if your opponent thinks you have force of will or they think you have days, they're going to play around it whether you have it or not. And so, in this type of deck, if I, you know, within the first couple turns of seeing him play this deck out, I would 100% expect to see Force of Will in this deck. And so, I'm going to change my gameplay based on that, compared to if I knew for a fact he didn't have Force of Wills. Yeah, I, I mean, people were asking me on Sunday, like one or two of my opponents, if I was playing Days, and I played Zero in my 75. I was just playing straight up Force of Wills. Well, and Demir Charm, counterspell number five. So. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, they once they put you on an archetype, they kind of just assume the standard counter package, you know. Uh, yeah. Even I'm sure, like as Treasure Cruise was getting into the format, I'm sure people were still putting Devil decks on Stifle too, you know, before that kind of went away with the blue red. Oh, okay, decks. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. He's got two days in the main deck, though, right? If I'm reading it correctly? Yes, he does. So, so he plays like a little bit of counter magic, but he's a little light. I mean, he's got counter spell days. At the same time, he's probably not too worried about like, you know, if he, he's got three copies of counterbalance and two tops. You know, like if, if he wants to counter, he, if he wants to play counter magic games, he can. Early enough with days, sure. Uh, counter spell if he needs to. And then if he can land a counter top lock, he's probably doing pretty decent. Oh yeah, yeah. and libraries you, like your third top, basically too. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. Definitely looks like he's kind of playing the game where uh, counterbalance everything that he can, and then abrupt decay the things he can't. Uh, also disfigure. So, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just using like disfigure and abrupt decay to you know sweep up the things that sneak in on, before the counterbalance comes down, and then once he has the counterbalance lock, he can easily take over the game. Hmm. Um, also, that also kind of makes me realize why he's not running as many Delve spells is Deathrite Shaman's really important in this type of build uh, because it's going... The the counterbalance lock is very mana-intensive and he's not really running any extra lands compared to traditional uh, Bug Delver lists, so he's going to lean heavily on that Deathrite Shaman making mana in order for him to resolve the Tarmogoyf while still keeping mana up for the uh, Sensei's Divining Top. Yeah, and he's not running as many, it doesn't look like he's running as many lands as, uh, miracles anyway. Right, right, exactly. So, he, he can't really afford to be delving away fetch lands with treasure crews or, uh, dig through time like other decks can, cause he really needs them for his death rights. Are you guys seeing what I'm seeing? Well, I mean, it's kind of blatant with like, no, <laughs> let me not reference that at all. <laughs> are, are you looking at the No, we're not seeing it, let's move on. <laughs> Uh, miracles doesn't show up until 26th. Really? Yeah. That's as far surprising. as I could tell. I mean, like I, I was just noticing all the bug decks. All that. I mean, he's not running as many lands as miracles, and I tried to figure out. Well, where is there a miracles deck? Holy shit! Not until 26th place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm actually surprised. Yeah. So I mean, it looks like there's just a whole lot more. It's gone back to abrupt decay, Jerry. It, it it looks like, and, and I was actually even surprised to see that many Lilianas early on. I haven't seen a blue red Delver early on either. Yeah, you know? well, I wonder if if we're we're kind of on like the third tier of thinking now. So you have <laughs> the, the blue red the blue red Delver decks popping up because of Treasure Cruise. Then you have combo decks coming out of the woodwork to beat up on the blue red Delver decks. And now you, 
it seems like we're getting into this third tier where now your bug decks can now prey on the combo decks that are trying to beat up on Blue or Delver. Yeah, and, because... Oops, sorry. Oh, yeah, go for it. No, no, go for it. Uh, I was just going to say, this is probably one of the highest concentrations of combo decks we've seen in a while. Uh, you know, you have Storm, Sneak and Show, Omnitel, Elves on okay. the top eight. Um, we haven't been seeing that many combo decks top eight lately. So I can definitely see, you know, the bug decks uh, coming in. And then I, I wish it almost showed us the brackets of who lost to who so we can see, you know, what happens and why. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the, the Rug Delver decks beat up on the uh, the bug decks, which allowed the combo decks to sneak into the top eight. Hey, John, see if you chime in real quick on this here. Tell me what you think of this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> is it what I think it is? Oh, I saw this on camera. <laughs> this deck's fantastic. Yeah, the, the prison, this deck's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like, turn one, let's go ahead and sphere resistance you, and then... With like, chalice. <laughs> yeah, let's stick a chalice, because you can't force it, and now we're going to put a trinosphere on top of that. It's like, and then, oh, now let's go play a Bane Slayer and kill you. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing I like the best is a Stoneforge Mystic, then I cast Restoration Angel and bounce it. I'm going to get two equipments. <laughs> <laughs> like, that just looks... I've, I've been looking at a way to do that for a while, and this deck just looks like uh This looks like a riot. God, this looks like such... <sighs> it, it's scary to play against, because it looks miserable to play against. Like, I'm, I'm being stopped, and it's not by anything I would expect. It's just, it, it looks like Metal Worker with flying beaters. <laughs> metal yeah. Worker without Metal Worker. <laughs> just, like, I mean, I don't, I, I'm not even familiar with, I didn't start playing until Innistrad, well, I didn't start playing again until Innistrad, so I actually have to look up Mainslayer Angel, um, and the, the thought of equipping that with anything just seems, oh, yeah. seems so powerful. Uh, but anyway... So I pulled up the bracket and looked at the top eight deck list to kind of give you a picture of the the matchups, as as Jerry was pointing out. So you got Peter Johnson coming first in the Swiss with Sneak and Show beat up on Elves in the eight spot for Ross Prajner. Okay. And I think that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, uh, Sneak and Show's... Uh, able to keep elves on the back foot by, cause Sneak and Show gets to counter stuff where elves doesn't. Yeah, or like elves has to have a good draw on the play with like a couple thoughts uses to get some of the key pieces out and then combo. Exactly. But it's very tough though. No yeah, way. Sneak and Show can just go for it and not worry about it if they have the combo, whereas elves actually has to sit there and think, does he have the force will, does he have the daze? That was your first matchup. And then Ross Miriam finishing fourth in the Swiss with Storm beat Ed D'Amico playing Grixis Control. I think that kind of makes sense, too, if I look at the counter magic from the Grixis Control list. You got um, four fours, and that's it, main deck. And then the uh, Well, it has Pyroblast, too. Pyroblast and Cabal Therapy. Yeah. yeah. He's playing... What's, what's the storm, though? Ad Nauseam Tendrils? I don't think Pyroblast is really... Is this Tess? No, he's got Ant. Ross? Oh, okay, yeah, all right, all right. No, I was just getting thrown by the past in flames. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can, I mean, Grixis definitely has a lot of dead cards against him, you know, like Lightning Bolt, uh, Fort Bolt, Innocent Blood. Uh, so that's definitely going to be very rough game one. Yeah, well, it was 2-1 also, too, so it just could have been because Ross was on the play. He has a bigger yeah. game as well. Yeah, definitely. If Ross ever had a, a turn one, because you get when you're in the top eight, you get to see your opponent's deck list. 
So if I was Ross Merriam and I had the the turn one win in hand, I would go for it, knowing that he really doesn't have very many ways to stop you. Because even with the four Force of Wills, his, uh, the Ed D'Amico's blue count is actually pretty low. So it's very possible he could have a Force Will and not have another blue card to pitch to it. Yeah, that, that's very, very true. And like, if he even opens with Kataxian Probe, that'll help him even further. Yeah, exactly. Turn one. Mm-hmm. So, so it was 2-1. It was a little bit closer than Sneaker Show versus Elves. And then between Sneaker Show and Ant, Ross moves on 2-1, to one, putting him in the finals, which I, I've played that matchup before, and I think... I feel pretty good about overall. Like, Sneaker Show has to have, in order to be Ant, it needs a few pieces of disruption to, to match it. Like, it has to, like, be mm-hmm. on the play, have, like, Force Will, Spell Pierce, and, like, another Counter Spell or something. Um, yeah. The two Fluster Storm main for Sneaker Show definitely helped him out, but he probably just didn't see them. Oh, wow. Did he have main yeah. deck Fluster Storm? Main deck Fluster Storm. Uh, Any of the Overmaster. That's pretty sweet tech. <laughs> uh, we literally just had a uh, like a 15 minute conversation on why you think Overmaster is a mistake <laughs> ready to counter my force of will are you <laughs> no our argument is that it, Jace the Mind Sculptor does everything Overmaster does but better oh really that's an interesting thought well, yeah well, because so, so the actual discussion John was um, alright actually you know what here why don't we why don't we get you chime in let me yeah. um Maybe Let's go back to that Zach get over here. <laughs> All right, John. So, so we had a uh, we had somebody kind of hit us up, and uh, see, I, I got to go back and pull it up again. But Jerry's probably got it like yeah, I got it. I got it here. So, so all right, John. Just to fill you in, we got Jeff Davis. All right, which is um, somebody on Twitter that hit us up and said, "Getting into Legacy Sneak and Show thoughts on two Jace or two Overmaster in the main. Rest is stock. Big fan of the cast." So. You know, my my thing is, uh, you know, I used to play the Blue Red Omni show that was Sorcery Speed, and I loved it. And and I played Sneak and Show. And the Overmaster always seemed better in Omni show than it did in Sneak and Show. Jace always seemed good as a one-of in either deck. And to back back that up, my argument about Jace doing everything Overmaster does but better, uh, first of all, why it's better, Jace is Jace. I think that conversation's over. (laughs) Second of... um, the reason why you play Overmaster is protect the show and tell. And people say Overmaster's cheap, so that's good, but if you add it together, Overmaster plus show and tell is still four, so you can cast Jace anyways in those situations. And Overmaster doesn't protect the sneak attack. And a, Overmaster doesn't protect the sneak attack, which is another point I, I didn't realize as well. Thank you, Adrian. But um, also with that Jace, no opponent is going to let you re- resolve a Jace if they can help it. So if that means countering the Jace, they will do that, which means they strip the counter magic out of their hand, which allows you to resolve the show until next turn. If they do let you have the Jace, then you know for a fact that they don't have counter magic in hand, and you can safely resolve show and tell, plus still having a Jace in play, so you can brainstorm and get more counter magic back up, even if you don't feel entirely comfortable with it. Or, my favorite is to activate sneak attack, put down Emrakul attack, and use Jace to bounce them, and then do it again next turn. Yep, that as well. But so so, John, your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I I I I hear I hear the thoughts for Jace, and I think they they all have um, aspects of it that are valid. I think my argument for Overmaster is that while Jace is a really really strong card, to me it's more of a late game card than an early game card to begin with. In this deck, I only feel like it's equipped to play a long game of Magic. So I would think if I, if I was a game one sneak and show deck, 
the Overmasters, I think, are perfectly fine because at the very worst, it's a cantrip. Like, if save the sneak attack in hand, you're like, all right, I'll just cycle this, draw another card, and, and go from there. Okay. Um, and then best case scenario would be, yeah, I can protect my my um, sneak my show and tell. But I do think I agree in the sense that it should be in somewhere in the 75, like against a deck like per se Miracles that wants to play a long game with you. I think Jace would be such a powerful trump card in that particular matchup that you can either win through the Jace or you can, you know, help accelerate your game plan through your Jace and force the Miracles player to start attacking you or even like the bug control deck as well. You know, like the decks are looking to go long. I think Jace would be a really, really strong card. But in terms of like a game one card, I just don't think that the Sneaker Show deck has that kind of time to set up and, and have a Jace in play. Yeah, granted, I know we're talking about like a, something that's like a two of or a one of. We're not talking about like a 4x Jace. That's not the, the main game plan, but. Right, no, I usually use them as a one of. Yeah, like I, I would, I would like that more as a as a cyborg card. But I, I think there's other cards that you could play even outside of those two in the Overmaster spot. I mean, you could play, play like I, I've seen lists with days. I've seen lists, you know, with well, more types of cantrips. Yeah. So, also, also going back to it, I love we mentioned, you know, just using Overmaster as just a cycle card. Uh, I remember I was giving Overmaster a try, and I cast Overmaster just to draw a card because I was stuck on lands. And my opponent force a willed it, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> it's like, sure, go ahead, force my cycle card. Oh yeah, because you're signaling. Yeah, you're signaling that you're going to try to go off with it. Yeah, That's just like how Tess played Silence. You yeah, play three three copies of Silence in the main deck. So, let me ask you this thought, John, because I know you're familiar with this deck anyway. Not so much, not necessarily sneak attack, maybe, but as far as did you notice a sideboard? All right, he's, so he, he's pulling in two omniscients. Yeah, that was, that was the other card I, I was going to point out. I was like, you know, instead of yeah. Overmaster, you can play Omniscience as well. well. So I would actually keep Overmaster in the sideboard and bring them in with Omniscience. Like, I'd bring the Overmaster in with Omniscience, because whatever Overmaster is going to do, chances are the Fluster Storms are going to do just fine. Like, like if I want to actually resolve my show-and-tell, I am personally a huge fan of Fluster Storm. Oh, I love Fluster Storm as well. Yeah. I don't think I've, I've played not an Omni. Run, yeah, I don't think I've not run Fluster Storm in my sideboard for the last year. <laughs> Every deck I build just auto include you know two or three Flusterstorm in the sideboard. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think Flusterstorm is is best position in a combo deck just because of the fact that against the blue decks of the format, which you're going to face a lot of, you're going to get into those counter magic fights, and Flusterstorm is such a sweet trump card in yeah. those counter fights. That's my that's that's the card I go to when it's just absolutely no. You know, yeah. I mean, as, as long as it's I mean, it, where it can only hit an instant of sorcery, but. It's, if it's an instant of sorcery that I just do not want to see, like a force of will or something, if I'm trying to protect my own combo, or, um, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks when you're holding Flusterstorm and you see Jace. <laughs> like, but that's yeah. just sometimes the case. Yeah, I, I also just love Flusterstorm because it's great against so many, it's, I run Flusterstorm for the same reason I was running Envelop. Uh, it's great against, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's great against Envelop because it, it's hilarious when your opponent, you know, plays Entreat the Angels, and then you Flusterstorm for three after fighting over it for a bit, or if they, you know, cast Brainstorm or something. Okay. Um, so it's great against Entreat the Angels. It's great in the counter war fight. It's just good to have in, when you do run into those uh, Ad Nauseam or uh, Test decks that you're in, invariably going to run into. Uh, oh, yeah. It, what about turn one Cabal Therapy, and you just Flusterstorm that to protect your hand? Yeah, that's That's not too. a bad turn one play. Exactly. Um, and I also just like it because it's 
while it doesn't have the same flexibility spell pierce does, it's typically for more or is able to even if your opponent has another counter spell in hand, they even though they can counter one, they can't counter both copies. So exactly. if my opponent yeah, if my opponent like taps out to play something and I fluster storm it, they can't daze that or they can't, you know, like daze back because then there's a, still another copy on the stack that's gonna counter the original spell. Or they can't force a will back. Right. I mean and how many stifles are running around the format to make the card bad? I mean, not many. Right. And also I don't think I've ever, ever seen someone stifle a flusterstorm trigger. Oh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine like, it's hilarious. It's like they want their force will to stick, so it's like, all right, I'll just stifle this and pay one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But not many, not many cases where that comes up. But yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pretty sweet deck. So uh, so we had Ant in the finals, and the other side of the bracket, just to to wrap it up, we had David Long who finished second in the Swiss, having playing lands, beat Nick Cummings who had Omnitel, mm-hmm. uh, two to one, which I think. I bet you if I were to watch the coverage, it would be Omnitel wins game one and then games two and three, like the sphere of resistances and all those hate cards come out and Omnitel has a really hard time going off. Be my guess. What do you guys think? I would, you think sphere of resistance comes out? Oh. No, 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 comes in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like all the hate cards. Like that and ch- choke. <laughs> yeah. Thorn, choke, um, chalice will slow him up a little bit. Oh yeah, K grip four crossing grip. <laughs> Does yeah. Lance do this? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, uh, yeah. So wow, that's hateful. Does Tabernacle? Uh, well, I guess Omni would have the lands available at that point. But I was thinking, like, if Tabernacle did anything in that matchup, probably not. Uh, 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 Rashad and Port play some big game too, just because. Uh, yes. Omni shows very mana intensive. Yep, you choke them on mana. Like, yeah, the cards I'm afraid of would be Port and Wasteland, because if you try to lay those Soul Lands pretty early to set something up and you lose those, that's kind of a big game. Also, none of Omni shows protection is relevant in this matchup because you can't counter lands. Yeah. No, but they can, I mean, his, uh, and I don't, you know, this this is always the weird thing for me, John. Guy places seventh place in Legacy Open. How am I going to knock his deck? You know, it's just well, uh, well like, actually, this isn't the um, this isn't the mono blue version. So he's no, no, no. This more... is no, this is the Burning Wish version that I used to play. Yeah, like and, this is even more susceptible to Wasteland than the mono blue version. Yeah, but that doesn't. I mean, usually that never tended to matter to me. Like, okay, so Lance is playing. Like, I'm just looking at from uh, and I like the Overmaster in the sideboard. You know, um, this is this is. A lot of what I used to play, I don't think I even bothered with Grafdigger's Cage, but I started to go towards Burning Wish and Cutting Wish in the deck, and then I started seeing just all the mono blue decks, but I didn't have any fun casting Release the Ants. Um, you know, what I always do like about this deck anyway is, and there's none in the sideboard, any Omni Show deck, I always want to keep Hercules Recall around. Because if I, like, sometimes you, you land Omniscience and they put in what, you can only cast one spell per turn if it's not an artifact or something. So then, during your turn, I can Cunning Wish. During my turn, I can Hercules Recall, and now I can continue what I was doing. Right. You know, it's just, like, where I don't see Hercules Recall... Yeah. You know, like, it's just, Omni Show for me, has always been weaker to artifact decks and land decks. And, like, at least out of this deck, where he's doing blue-red, there's no reason he couldn't have a Blood Moon in the sideboard. 
Like, Blood Moon really chokes out bug decks, and the random time you run across lands is, is uh, pretty powerful, too. Uh-huh. It, it ends up being about as good as, as it is in Sneak Attack, only Sneak Attack can actually play with mountains. Uh, I feel Blood Moon's too rough for this type of deck, um, just because it is also uh, running underground seas, and it really does need to ramp up with the Ancient Tombs and City of Traders. Yeah, his is odd because he's doing three colors, so he has access to Massacre. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the only black cards he's looking for are Massacre... Reanimate and Thoughtseize. Which, oh, I mean... Reanimate? What? Yeah, wait, why is... I think, is Reanimate? Yeah, but he's got Emrakul. He's just I trying think... to target somebody else's creature with Cabal uh, Therapy. Yeah, I think so. Oh, Thoughtseize, Reanimate. Okay, that's that's awkward. Hey, well, what about all the playtest games that we played with the Zinfid's Mirror? <laughs> Where's the Reanimate for your Grizzle Brand? Yeah, yeah. Uh... Sh- shallow grave, I shall grave your grizzle brand in response. <laughs> oh no! It, it, it was, oh yeah, actually, he, I, I like that. I like that red deck. Um, that was actually pretty cute. I've been thinking about putting burning reanimator together. I, I, I'm still debating on the LEDs at the moment. Um, so is there even anything else that we want to touch on for oh. this SCG? Oh Can well, and to finish out the bracket, bite, is the uh, what was it? We did talk about Ralph Patesh, Rug Delver. It was a Rug Delver mirror. Ralph Patesh in the three spot playing Daryl Errors in the three spot. Errors wins 2-1, so then you have Rug Delver versus Lands, which is kind of, I thought it could go either way, but Errors won 2-0 with Rug Delver, and then Rug Delver beat Storm 2-1 in the finals, which I can see that matchup going either way, because I've played that matchup as well from the Storm side. Um, it depends on, like, Carbon to Flowers' big game against that the Rug Delver deck. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it was pretty interesting top eight. I mean, I think... To, to what we were trying to answer originally is like, is this kind of expected? I think it was for the most part. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see the way the matchups lined up that that's how it ends up. Because if any of the fair decks are going to be Storm, it's probably going to be Rug Delver. You know, they put the pressure on early and they have the, uh, mana disruption and counter spells to back it up. You know, game one's rough because you're running, you know, you know, oh man, three forked bolts. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, three forked bolts, four lightning bolts, so those come out pretty instantly. But he has Flusterstorm sideboard to bring in. Uh, he has Vendillion Click. Uh, he has more Pirate Blast, though. Pirate Blast isn't the best against Storm, just because they're black-based. Yeah, I mean, you might keep one in just to beat up on a cantrip and then keep keep... Continuing to attack, especially with the new uh, Nibble Mongoose we have here in this main deck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mr. Curd. But <laughs> <laughs> three threes aren't good enough, let's get some two threes. <laughs> well, no, we talked about it. It's like, what what would you replace it with? Like, we, we honestly can't think of anything that would go better in that slot right now. Wow. Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, wild the cuddle, but do I really want to be running white too? <laughs> like, no. am I am I playing Savannah just to bu- yeah. boost wild the cuddle? <laughs> no. I mean, or young pyromancer to give the both you can attack vertically with your Tarmogoyfs or your Delvers, but you can attack horizontally too with all the pyromancer tokens. Maybe because yeah. at least you can put that in a reactive or a proactive deck, whereas. Swiss Spear needs to be in a proactive deck. Yeah, we, we talked about that earlier, why Swiss Spear doesn't work in this type of deck, but with Pyromaster, I just think you just want another one-drop. And you don't want it to be Goblin Guide because you don't want to be giving your opponent lands when you're wasting wastelanding and uh, dazing, and the other version was running Stifle, too. Yeah. So you just don't really want Goblin Guide in this deck, and there's just really not anything else. Like, Nimble oh. Marcus was great, but Treasure Cruise is just better. 
Oh, I got it. Hooting mandrills. Yes. For the win. <laughs> oh, you know what, Jerry? That reminds me. I actually do have a foil hooting mandrill. Oh, yeah. I, I ordered four, four foil hooting mandrills for 35 cents the other day. That thing's going to take off. <laughs> <laughs> MTG Finance. MTG Finance hooting mandrill foils. I actually was playing at a uh, back for GP New Jersey. I was playing a uh, uh, GP, uh, GP qualifier, and the guy next to me was playing uh, like Maver- uh, not Maverick Zoo with hooting mandrels, and it was hilarious. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Did he have tarmogoyfs also, or just hooting mandrels? Oh yeah, hooting, uh, hooting mandrels and tarmogoyfs. <laughs> That seems awkward. Not even a budget concern, just bam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two big green idiots from side by side. Huge, huge creatures. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, I can't really think of many other one-drop creatures that, yeah, that are better than Curdy. sad to say. I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's it's cyclical. It's all c- cyclical. Uh, I was, Flying I men? I, <laughs> maybe... Maybe hidden gibbons. Oh my god! <laughs> I have four hidden gibbons that I'm just waiting to break out. Please, someone break hidden gibbons. Is that the instant or sorcery? That's yeah. It's one green for an enchantment. Whenever one of your opponents successfully, they have to successfully cast an instant or uh, nope, not even sorcery, just an instant spell. <laughs> if hidden gibbons is an enchantment, hidden gibbons becomes a four-four creature that counts as an ape. Oh my god. Well, I mean, think of the number of brainstorms that's played in this format. It's true. It's true. I actually, mean, the, the oracle text actually just goes when they cast an instant spell, period. Oh, perfect. It, it got an upgrade. <laughs> Though, I guess it's a downgrade because it, you can't, uh, it's, the actual text is instant or interrupt. Oh man. <laughs> I love those counter spells. Oh yeah. <laughs> Look, turn one hidden gibbons, turn two Delver. You want to counter it? Come on. You know you want to counter it. <laughs> actually, what I think... I'm actually thinking, like, what if it just sat there and they, you know, that, well, they don't really want to attack with my Monastery Swift Spear and Lightning Bolt. What I'm really surprised is Hidden Herd doesn't see play. Because that would just always be active. Which Hidden one is Herd, that? It's one green for an enchantment. Whenever your opponent plays a non-basic land, it becomes a 3-3 creature. <laughs> and it's, it, the thing is, is like everyone looks at it and thinks like, oh, until end of turn. It's like, no, it just becomes a three three. It's bigger than a two three. <laughs> it's bigger than a two three. Is that like it doesn't have shroud like mongoose? But I mean, I'd pay one green for a three three. I mean, your opponent's going to play a non basic land. You're going to get really unlucky in legacy if your opponent doesn't play non uh, ba- non basics. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> anyway. So we got the Lone Lion, the Curdeep, and the Wild Nakata, which all went in the same deck a long time ago. Yeah. Good, good old zoo. <laughs> good old zoo. Oh, yeah, John, did you ever see that thing on Twitter? Somebody put that up. I thought that was so fucking cute. They were going to play zoo with Treasure Cruise and call it Noah's Ark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, Modern's playing zoo with blue, because Geist of St. Traff's a pretty good magic card here. Yeah. Yeah, there was actually... There was a guy one one day, John, that showed up at TE that was playing a deck he made called Angry Birds, and it was like Birds of Paradise into Geist of St. Traff into like, it was just, it was ridiculous. Did you, did you ever see that guy, Jerry? No, I don't think I ever saw this deck. Oh my god, he beat my face so fast! This <laughs> <laughs> is like Geist of St. Traff attack for six, and like, I don't know what the hell else he did. Um, oh, it was silly. It was silly. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen 
him with that deck in quite some time. Yeah. Yeah, I've always so, wanted to go turn one Noble Hierarch and then turn two Geist and Modern. Just like, here, I'm going to sure. present seven power to you on turn two. Sure. <laughs> now, my, my favorite was when I was running Bant is turn one Noble, turn two Geist, turn three Elspeth pumping Geist. <laughs> oh, that's filthy. <laughs> it's brutal. Wait, Absolutely wait. brutal. All yeah, right. Elspeth Knight Errant. Oh. <laughs> I had to do that for a second, Shaw. Take yeah. nine in the air? <laughs> oh, no, ten. Ten in the air. Oh, my God. I, you were a two-turn clock. You dead by turn four. I literally had to call the judge over. I'm like, I'm afraid my opponent is going to flip the table. What do I do? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, I'm going to, um, I don't know. Is there anything else we want to mention about the SCG? Or do we no. want to go on? Um, no? Well, if we're looking for a new topic, I've been holding this in. Uh, we got all the spoilers from Bait Reforged. Yeah, they all look like garbage. Uh, nope. <laughs> hey, Island's pretty good. Island's a- <laughs> Blue is really, really sweet in this format. Uh, oh, oh, geez, really? Blue and Legacy? I don't think I'm going to Oh, that. my God. <laughs> what? Wizards might as well have just, like, mailed me a handwritten note. It's like, please play Phyrexian Dreadnought again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jerry, so you're giving back alley handjobs for these guys? Oh, or what? yeah, apparently. <laughs> apparently I've just been, like, in sleepwalking over to Wizards and just, like, holding a gun to their head. It's like, design this card. <laughs> um, so just to touch on this one quick, have you seen Renowned Weaponsmith? This this card is very, very spicy. Um, one colorless, one blue for a 1-3. With tap, add two mana to your mana pool. Spend this ability only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. Isn't it just, is it kind of similar to, like, the Apprentices back in the original Days of Magic? I forgot, like, it was a mana ability for artifacts, but I just couldn't remember, like, what it was. It's like... Uh, Mishra's Workshop. <laughs> Well, there was that, but I think there was actually, like, blue, blue creatures that um, fueled mana, but strictly for artifact spells. Like, yeah, kind of like, like Grand yeah. Architect. Wasn't, wasn't it Grand Architect? Yeah. Yeah, but, like, way yeah. further than that. I'll, I'll look up the creature in the meantime. It, All right, Jerry, so what? What are you going to do with this thing? Uh, I don't know, but it just looks like something that's going to be broken, especially <laughs> when you... <laughs> I mean, awesome. I have no idea what I'm I have no idea how many <laughs> well, I've been too busy brewing Phyrexian Dreadnought decks. <laughs> I can't I only have so much mental power. Uh also the other thing with this card that people notice is it's it's spoiling a card from the next set. Uh Vial of Dragonfire. I was I, I see and that's what the thing. I looked at this and I'm like, Oh, that's kinda cute. I wonder what her Pierce Bow and Vial of Dragonfire do and I look around and I'm like, Well, I can only find one of them cards anyway. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm actually hoping that card is good because anytime you have a creature that allows you to tap, search your library for a card and then put it into hand, and you can do that multiple times, that's easily abusable. Because you can just combo that with brainstorms to effectively draw extra cards. You can tap it, search your library for the card, put it back with Brainstorm, and do it all over again. And you're just going to grind your opponent out with card advantage. So I can definitely see that going into a uh, a, a blue-based artifact deck running Tezzeret and Jaces. It helps you power out artifacts early game. And then also late game is uh, is a card-drawing engine in and of itself. Um, that is saying only if this, you know, vial of Dragonfire is actually relevant. If it isn't, it's still good enough as is just being a, uh, a mana dork for artifacts. Because... 
two for a one three is also not irrelevant as well. It can block a curd ape. Only to cast art. Okay, well, I guess it does let you activate artifacts. Yeah, that's. I don't know. That's the big thing. You can tap it, play a Sensei's Divining Top, and use the Sensei's Divining Top all on its own. All right, Jerry. There is. Maybe there's one good card in this set. Uh, no. No, the, the, no, the, no, the only, you know what, the, the only things I'm actually thinking about is really the thing that uh, you had mentioned it before was the prowess guy that makes prowess tokens. Yep, that guy is broken. Uh, people are already saying he's probably going to see play in Vintage. Sure, and the Legacy Burn, and this, um, what, the, the, one white, gives... the white lifelink burn guy. What about Cloud Form? What the hell color is that? It's blue. This is this is the card I've been waiting for because it was spoiled pretty recently. This is it's the this, dreadnought special. <laughs> this is the dreadnought special. <laughs> oh, you want to abrupt decay my dreadnought? Too bad it has hexproof. <laughs> Manifest the top card of your library. It's one colorless, two blue. Yeah. Manifest the top card of your library, which oh, thanks to brainstorm or sensei's divining top or Jace is a Phyrexian dreadnought. Or a Trinket Mage, right? Or a Trinket Mage. Well, you still have to put it back on top, but you, you oh, get the okay. point. Sure. Uh, Enlightened Tutor. Yep, yeah, Enlightened Tutor is perfect because it's an enchantment, so Enlightened Tutor can find both halves of it. Yeah. Put Phyrexian Dreadnought uh, into play, and now it has Flying and Hexproof. Okay, now all I have to do is bounce it. It has Hexproof. So, uh, is this is it enchanted by this thing? Yep, it's enchanted by... The, so you have to deal with the enchantment and then deal with the Dreadnought. Okay. In, in which case, the real reason why Dreadnought wasn't seeing play is because you were getting two for one. So you were... Alright, so, so, I'm fine still as long as I'm still playing, like, Jeskai, what, Stoneblade. Cause then I could, like, how that, wait, how the hell was I thinking about that? Red Elemental Blast that, and then so it's the plushies, cause you're on, like, you're on a three card combo for this thing anyway? No, it's only a two, it's a, it's a two card combo, if that. It's, you actually just a one card combo. If well, I yeah, if, if I brainstorm, have... <laughs> okay. Well, no. If I brainstorm, I'm brainstorming anyways. All right, so that's one card. Or since yeah, they... well, I'm putting it in like a counter countertop shell. I mean... Yeah, exactly. That's the shell I'm building. Okay. Celso's on my wavelength. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> but like to your point, Adrian, I mean, you need two removal spells to deal with it. Like you can't. Yeah. Unless you have pernicious deed or something crazy like that, or terminus. Or engineered explosives. Yeah, you need. Engineered explosives yeah. doesn't do it. Why? Blows it up at one. It's not indestructible. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Fine. Touche, sir. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Cunning wish or polymorphosis jest? Block. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it solved the problem of Dreadnought, which was that you were getting blown out with two-for-ones. Now it forces your opponent to two-for-one themselves in order to get rid of your Dreadnought. Hmm. By, so, my only problem with it is it's too blue. That's your problem with it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I wanted it to be one blue and then two colorless because... I thought you were going to do the other thing that gave it, like, lifelink flying and fucking death touch and shit. Whatever the hell that one was. What uh, was the white one you were going to do? Well, the reason why I bring it up is also, um, it looks like, uh, Karsten Cotter, uh, the SCG writer for Legacy. Uh, okay. He's thinking along the same lines because he posted a shell of the deck. Uh-huh. And he was saying that... He he would kind of like you know one of the lifelink ones because in some matchups, namely the ones that aren't running abrupt decay, okay. he would want in a, a lifelinking Phyrexian Dreadnought to gain the life back in a control matchup. Okay. Um, so I could definitely see in the split, and then that way, if you're running white anyways for Enlightening Tutor, it's it's no problem. Um, my problem with that going down that route is you have to be careful in in not being just a worse miracles deck. You're running a blue, you're building a blue white deck 
that is running uh, counterbalance. Is are are you worse than miracles? Would it just be better just running Sensei's Divining Top and Entreat the Angels? Right. So I'm I'm kind of careful, and I almost want to make it mono blue, because also what this combos with really well is Thassa. Back when uh, Theros first came out, I was brewing up a mono blue deck uh, trying to take advantage of Thassa, but I put it on the shelf just because it it needed more oomph. Okay. It, just, it didn't have a good win condition. But now that we have this with Rexy Dreadnought, I think that's really the piece that was missing. And Thassa combos perfectly letting you scry each turn. You can scry, uh, see when you have, you know, the Dreadnought on top, and then cast the Manifest card to put the Dreadnought into play. Now, um, alright, to interrupt, I got a question for you, Jerry. Sure. You've been playing Goblin Welder lately. I have. Would you be, would you use this Goblin Boom Keg? Goblin Boom? What color is it? I... It's an artifact. Goblin Boom Keg. <laughs> so, four. Alright, already I'm suspicious at four. <laughs> at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice Goblin Boom Keg. When a Goblin Boom Keg is put into a graveyard from the battlefield... Oh, whoa! <laughs> when it goes to the graveyard... Not just when you sacrifice it, just when it goes to the graveyard. It's it just lightning three... bullshit. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's real good with Goblin Welder. Well, yeah, well, even like the shell that I've been looking to build for a while is something like turn one Chalice or something, turn two Trinisphere, turn three to Ready, and yeah. and you know loot, drop the Boom Keg, and then un- untap and then weld it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so there's a couple things that may see play out of this then. Oh, man, yeah, I need to get me a copy of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's an uncommon, Jerry. I'll, I'll pick those up. And, you know, the last Sunday of the month, uh, so I, we'll, we'll touch that towards uh, a little bit of local stuff anyway. So, all right. Wait, real quick, I just want yeah. to mention. So the reason why I don't have a list for everyone today for Phyrexian Dreadnought is there's so many really good manifest cards, I don't know which ones to use. So I literally have like five or six Phyrexian Dreadnought lists that I'm brewing, and I just don't know which one's going to end up being the best. Okay. Because I have like a blue-red version that's kind of traditional Dreadnought with uh, Young Pyromancer uh, and Delvers, and that way you can use the, the what the what's the Exile one called? Um, the exile one what? Uh, oh, reality shift. Exile oh, okay, target creature. Yeah. It controls or manifests the top card of his library, mm-hmm. so you can uh, target one of your tokens and put the dreadnought into play. Uh, that's more traditional blue red uh, stifle knot, because then you really maximize stifle with stifle days wasteland delver. Okay. So even if you don't get the dreadnought plan off the ground, you can still win as just a blue red deck. Um, then there's the more controlling version with, you know, Sensei's Divining Top and Cloud Form, and even uh, Right Into Being, which is probably one of the best cantrips they've printed in Standard in quite some time. Okay. So, so that's two colorless and a blue. Look, look at the top two cards of your library, manifest one of those cards, then put the other on the top or bottom of your library. All right. Um, John, anything anything you're excited for out of this set that you think towards Legacy? Man, that island card is still really, really good, I hear. I think they were thinking about doing an emergency ban on that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what would you like to offer? I, I, I agree on the reality shift. I think 
that I don't think it's like a four X type of card you want to put in, but just to diversify removal, like reality shift really isn't that bad of a card to to bring in. Like I, actually, I would probably see it maybe in the main or sideboard of something like a blue red delver or, or, or a delver deck that doesn't have access to abrupt decay or swords of plowshares that could yeah. not get rid of things with toughness greater than three. Yep, exactly. Let me. Let me... Let me let me ask you both a question, and and this is something that I'm not aware of yet, and I'm, maybe nobody is, but let me think about this for a minute. Let's actually let's let's do this as a little group here. I want to find pick a pick a manifest card for a minute. I want to see what is the manifest mechanic put onto the battlefield face down as a manifest the top card of your library. Put it onto the battlefield face down as a two two creature. How is that affected by Grafdigger's Cage? Creatures can't enter the battlefield from graveyards or libraries. Ooh, that is a good point. I don't know how that interacts. I don't think it's an issue because you're starting off by just pulling the card. It doesn't become a creature until it gets put onto the battlefield. Okay, so yeah. All right. So now, are you are you at all excited about the manifest mechanic, John? What with craft with respect to craft diggers gauge? No, just in 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 general towards legacy. Are you excited about the manifest mechanic? Like Jerry's been excited about the Phyrexian dreadnought, and and I'll tell you why I'm bringing this up. Okay, I'm not like I'm not going to hide this anymore. So <laughs> the secrets out. <laughs> so remember, and I'm, you probably remember the night John me and me and Jerry had recorded with Bob, and then yep. me and you were on Skype afterwards. Yep. And I told and I asked you if it was all right with you. I was going to edit that conversation into a, into a um, something to cast up because Jerry was busy one week or whatever it was. Right. Okay. So somebody up in Canada heard that episode, recognizing you, and started listening to us. And um, so you're 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 on this cast, and you already have a fan here. So and I'm sure you probably already know of him anyway. Braden Defoe. Yeah, he's a, a I, I think I met him through Facebook and then Twitter. Yeah, so he mentioned this. Spicy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may have been ignoring a client at work today because... <laughs> <laughs> I may have left work and just for the hell of it went down and picked up a playset. Oh, you got a playset of them? Yeah, they were they were a buck each at the store. I'm like, fuck it, dude. I, but I, I did drive from Massachusetts to Connecticut back to Massachusetts to cast. Yeah. Are you looking at this thing yet, John? Wait, which the you was you dropped it in the chat? Oh, yeah, Skirk Alarmist. What in the world does this card do? <laughs> yeah, it's I went to the store and said, broken. so I went to the store and said, can I see your legions binder? And the guy just looked at me. <laughs> Turn target face down creature you control face up. And then they turn sacrifice it. So that's Emrakul. That's omniscience, as Jerry pointed out. Anything, because you can <laughs> manifest any card. <laughs> so we're going. <laughs> we moved into the balls deep portion of. That's haste. Why does it have haste? Why does it have haste? So you could just play it and use it right away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, it's, it seems like I was thinking about it, like show and tell's just got to be better. Like now, now I have to land the creature through counter magic, which maybe Cavern of Souls helps, and hope the tap doesn't get stifled. I'm like, eh, swords. I'm like, yeah, I don't let's, really know. Let's start. Yeah, let's start going down the route of all the things that could go wrong. The alarmist gets countered. You lightning bolt the manifest creature in response to tapping this thing. Um, Caracas is already in play. This goes with the stack. 
but it's, it seems like, well, Caracas being in play doesn't actually matter if it's omniscience that I'm flipping over as a 2-2. Oh, wait, wait, turn face down, creature you control, face up. Oh, so... It's a creature until it's turned face up, so you can target it. Right. Unless if it's a creature or not. So you can... How does it work? If it's a permanent, it stays there. If it's not a permanent, it goes to the graveyard automatically? Well, No, it just, it turns it face up, and then you sacrifice it at end of turn. So at end of turn, you would sacrifice omniscience. Yeah, but, like, what if you you flipped up Swords of Plowshares for, like, say you don't know what's what's (coughs) manifest, and you flip up Swords of Plowshares. Does that just automatically go away? Well, you get to look at cards that are manifest. It's not a mystery to you. That's Cause true. Because you, you control it, you can look, so you can choose what you turn face up. Right, unless somebody plays like a misdirection or some type of effect or whatever. All right, so, I mean, if we're going to go deep on... <laughs> or what if what if I want to flip your manifested card? <laughs> Dude, I almost... I, while I was down there in the Legion's Binder, I almost picked up Willbender. Oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so now, yeah, now we got to the third level. <laughs> <laughs> when people play Will Bender because of Skirk Alarmist, I will. <laughs> people are listening to Legacy. It's like, is this is this onslaught block constructed? What is going on? <laughs> so anyway, so but this is what this is what uh, Braden had offered us, and and I'm I'm interested. Like you know, at a dollar a piece for the rare, fuck it. I'm gonna see if I fuck around with it a little bit. I think it's awesome, and I think it's gonna be one of those decks that just steals wins because your opponent has. <laughs> Yes. until it's way too late. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. they're going to know what you're doing when you turn Omniscient's face up. Well, the funny thing is if you game one them with this thing, right, then they start, you know, bringing all the creature removal and you just sign in your show and tells. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. And also, or- that's just like the surface. I'm sure there's other, like, really cool things you can bring in t- for Skirk Alarmist outside of Omniscience. Well, Braden's... And, and check this out, John. You know what? One of the things that Braden had mentioned with it was Phage the Untouchable. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> now, and this actually, this guy actually does go in, um, oh, what's the, what have you been playing, Tiny Leaders? This goes in Tiny Leaders. Hey, that's what I was going to joke about. It's like, oh, we're just picking this up for Tiny Leaders. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is Tiny Leaders? It's, um, well, it's, a, it's like Half Commander. Yeah, we... we We'll get into that in a little bit, too, because I, I also did want to touch on that. I think, I mean, I don't know. Are we all done with the spoilers, then? Well, I mean, if you want to just to add one last level to all this, like, if you want yeah. next level, next level the guy that's trying to play the Skirk Alarmist, then you can find a way to flash in Ixadron if they try to attack with the Emrakul. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is Ixadron? Hold on. <laughs> it's got its going here. Is it Ix, John? It's, it's uh, yeah, Ix. It's a five-drop creature. When it enters the battlefield, turn all other non-joking creatures face down. <laughs> it's power itself. This is each equal to the number of face-down creatures on the battlefield. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, was my God. Just, Next was level. Was just printed in Commander? Yeah. All oh, this was it. Oh, no, Commander and Time Shifted. Time Spiral. Time Spiral, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> What an ugly-looking illusion, too, of all things. Uh, I, I, and I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna play this deck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna be in the O4 bracket, and I'm gonna be happy. Hey, yes. so while we're talking about the O4 bracket, <laughs> well, you get the beer charm in response to flipping the card face up too. <laughs> all <the> interactions. <laughs> Right, I'm, I'm just going to send you a message. It's, it's going to be my, my bracket for the tournament, and I'm going to be in the 0-4 bracket. I'm just going to write, this is your fault. 
And you can, you can you can frame it and keep it forever. <laughs> uh, so, is that everything? Spoilers and I I, I did want to put uh, I did want to point out Braden to John while he was here. Yeah, shout out to Braden. That guy's cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, to be fair, as far as spoilers go, I haven't looked at any card that wasn't blue. So there may be another sweet card. I just you know I haven't really looked at it. <laughs> My only curiosity is actually with the with the um, the white lifelink guy and the white prowess make a prowess token guy. I'm actually curious to price plateau now and see it in two months. Yeah. Um, oh, also uh, collateral damage, closest thing we've had lightning bolt in a while. Also plays really well with young pyromancer, the red <laughs> card. It's a uh, one red as an instant as additional cost to cast its sack a creature, uh, three damage to target creature or player. Okay. So I could see it seeing some play in uh, Burn, because Burn... As a, as a fifth Lightning Bolt? Yeah, I mean Lightning Bolt 5 through 8. How yeah. often does Pyrotechnics get played? Pyrotechnics? Yeah, because it's getting reprinted. In Legacy? <laughs> well, no, it's yeah. printed in the set. Oh, I mean, how long... Well, yeah, like, how are you asking how often does it see play in Legacy? I'm going to go yeah. zero to none. Yeah, because we have Pyrotechnics. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe, is that the one I was seeing in there? Yeah, you're thinking of Pyrokinesis, which is Pyrotechnics, but is better because you can just, uh, is it Exile or Discard? Yeah, you Exile a red card. Yeah, so instead of playing its mana cost, you can Oh, okay. Red card. Yeah. It's uh, the red yeah. analog to Force of Will. Yeah. Very, very even power cards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy was running it at the GP, though, because it deals with uh, Young Pyromancer and his tokens quite well. Oh, yeah, there's lots of things you could do with Pyrokinesis. I mean, you can get rid of, like, um... The Swiss beer and an Effectile Aberration, if your opponent's got no way to cast a spell, you can... I'm just I'm just going to start playing Caltrops. Yeah, or Death and Taxes, you can get a couple things off the board. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's a good answer to Mother of Ruins. Yeah, that's been played in uh, Goblin Stompy, uh, in the sideboard, Pyrokinesis. <laughs> I'm actually surprised it hasn't seen more play lately with all the young Pyromancers running around. Yeah, well, I, I've seen like cards like Electricery floating around. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Well, that, that uh, Omni Show list was running, uh, what was the one from Torment? It was like Electricery with Flashback. Oh, not Firebolt. Uh, it's like, uh, like Volcanic something. Yeah, volcanic is that? No. 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 That's the Pyroblast that can't be countered. It, it, here, I'll just pull it up. Like, oh, uh, Volcanic Spray. Volcanic Spray, yeah. Instead of Overloaded as Flashback. Yep. Um... The other card that I saw, I did see in Fate Reforged that I think we'll see Legacy play is Ugin, the Spirit Dragon, in the either the 12-post deck or the Mud deck, because I think both of those decks, now that they both play a Cloud-post mana base, I think they can easily get to 8 mana in the first couple of turns to jam this. I mean, it's not super far-fetched just because the Mud decks were already playing Karn to begin with. Um, right. Post might not play it as much, but def- I-, I can definitely see Mud playing this. Um, it also, I like it better than Karn because it's wide. You know, the meta right now is very wide. You're playing Young Pyromancer, Delver, you know, spreading it out wide. So Karn isn't as good because your opponent can flood the board and Karn can't pick him off quick enough. Ugin is basically a pernicious deed. Oh, yeah. Minus two, just wipe out the whole Blue or Delver deck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's great. <laughs> it, um, yeah. And like even and especially in mud too. Like imagine going ultimate. It's like all right, um, I'm gonna drop 
Worm Coil, Sundering Titan, Staff of Domination. <laughs> he also Maybe ultimates so quick. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Like plus two, plus two, ultimate. And he still sticks around, which is beautiful. Well, that's like, it's supposed to mirror Nicobol's Planeswalker, who had the same route. Right. Uh, non-creature, non-creature, and then all of a sudden, bam, it was it. You lose seven permanents, you discard seven cards, and lose seven layfall type of thing. Or yep. deal seven damage. Even better. Yeah, exactly. But we've been waiting for a uh, Lightning Bolt Planeswalker for a while, and I think it works really well on him. Oh, yeah. It plus two just kills a lot of things in this format. A he, lot. Yeah, he just... he, he he's probably protects himself better than any other Planeswalker. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, Karin got up to ten on a plus. This gets up to nine. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> we yeah. got nine points of burn. <laughs> yeah, especially it's like, oh, I just... I just yeah, I just bolted your, your Delver. Now try and deal nine damage to him, otherwise he's doing it again next turn. Yeah. Oh, like, man, that's filthy. Like, yeah, he's just, he's sticking around unless your opponent has like a Maelstrom Pulse. Yeah. Very, very difficult to get rid of once he's in play. And even that you see is like, maybe Oh man, off. I can manifest him and then use Skirk Alarmus to put him into play. <laughs> <laughs> plus it and then take it in the Yeah, this is bad. No, 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 not plus it. I'm gonna minus, minus seven him. <laughs> Skirk Alarmus is doing a noble sacrifice. <laughs> the route to his own destruction. Yeah, uh, actually, thinking of of mud too, like that minus doesn't even deal with any of the permanents on his, on your own side of the board too. Like even like like let's yeah. say you um, X for three, it doesn't get rid of the metal workers because it's colorless as well. Like yeah. it's amazing. That's a one sided yep. wrath. That's like plague wind is it's, the middle ability. I think what he's going to do is he's going to replace the. Uh, what is it, the all is dust that the deck has been running? Because it's basically an all is dust that sticks around. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that's the slot it's going to fill. Uh, so get rid of your all is dust now, people. <laughs> all those GP promos floating around. Let me let me ask a question here. I haven't, I, well, actually, maybe I just fucking read the card. Um, Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure if Metalworker only let you use it to cast artifact spells, but no, that's just colorless mana. Yep, just colorless mana, so you can put him in play with Metalworker, too. Yeah, well, that is the one downside, is, like, Ugin doesn't count to add two mana for Metalworker's ability, but, I mean, you could still go, right. like, Wormcoil, Titan, Metalworker, Artifact. City of Traitors. Yeah. Uh, and what's what the hell's the Grim I, Monolith? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you're almost there. I've cursed many times that Eldrazi aren't artifacts, so I feel I'm going to have the same uh, problem with Ugin. There's going to be times where I just, if it was an artifact, I would have won the game, but because he's not, I lose the game. Yeah, I mean, um, like, it's, you just gotta be super careful. Like, it's not like a, a card you're gonna make like a three or four of just because you don't want to dilute the uh, artifact count so much. Yeah, exactly. You wanna draw into them, so like, maybe a two of, I mean, Sundering Titan's a three of, and that's an eight drop. Um, yeah, you might want like two to three, somewhere in that range. I don't know. It depends on like how many matchups he's really effective in and how many matchups he's not so effective in to determine the count. Yeah, they're definitely going to take some playing around with to find the right number. Uh, like, speaking of artifacts, though, this just caught my eye because I I saw it earlier, but then it just I forgot about it. Goblin but, Boom Keg? 
<laughs> I, I, I already said I'm playing Goblin Boon Keg. <laughs> Which one, Jerry? In the I same deck with platform. I got that altered. <laughs> I got that altered to make it look like a, like a like a college frat party going on. Oh no, shit! Right? Yeah, doing keg stands and shit. Yeah, doing doing keg stands on just like dynamite. Oh, that would be great. It's like it's like a keg of dynamite, and he's doing a keg stands, you know, standing on the plunger of the dynamite. <laughs> Oh wait, uh, I got it ready. <laughs> end, of your, end of your second main phase. I'm gonna activate Skirk Alarmist. Gonna flip over the Boom Keg. Up oh, and <laughs> well <end> turn. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. To my Skirk Alarmist. <laughs> yeah, Skirk Alarmist should have been printed in this set. <laughs> it probably would have been the most broken limited bomb ever if it was printed I, in the set. <laughs> I don't. I don't know about you, John or Jerry. Um, I feel bad for the judges this weekend. With all the, it, it, I'm just, I was mentioning it to one of them earlier, trying to imagine, like, it's got to be a whole bad experience when somebody's, like, um, morphing their lands and claiming they're manifested. Like, uh, oh, yeah. The, the, the two mechanics being in the same set seems so awkward for any sealed or draft. I think they should have just introduced manifest and just never brought back morph. I think they should have brought back birch law rangers if they were going to bring back morph. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be rough on the judges. That's anyway. why I don't play standard. Wait, how do we get to, if we're going to bring back more, if we're going to bring back the specific creature? Because it's written into the contract. If you bring back more, if you have to bring back Birchlore Rangers. <laughs> well, it's it's the same thing as, what, what, what were we mentioning before, Jerry? There was something that they could have brought back with Scry. Oh, Serum Visions. They printed Scry and didn't put print Serum Visions in the Scry set, which is stupid. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm mildly salty about that, unless yeah. they're coming in Modern Masters this year. Yeah, it's got to. It's got to be. I mean, we can't be having these $10 commons running around. And, and then my thought was just really that I've been wanting Birchflow Rangers in a Modern Elf deck. Yeah. But but they brought back Morph and they missed the Birchflow Ranger. Yeah. Oh, real quick before I forget, though, the other uh, spoiler that I think is interesting, uh, probably more for Modern than Legacy, but mountain? speaking of, well, yes, other than mountain. <laughs> uh, speaking of curves into uh, Geisa Saint Traft, Heroes Blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heroes Blade, <laughs> Geisa Saint Traft is pretty cool. So Heroes Blade, Geisa Saint Traft, Stoneforge Mystic makes legacy. Uh, I don't. Uh, I, there's just better targets for the Stoneforge Mystic, even though Heroes Blade sure. is free. I would still probably want a Sword of Fire and Ice over that. You wouldn't want a f- you wouldn't want a five four Geist of Saint Traft. I mean, I do. <laughs> Just wondering. <laughs> like, uh, if I'm searching that up with Stoneforge Mystic, I'm kind of losing value anyways. Because if I can search it with Stoneforge, put it into play Stoneforge, I could just be doing that with um, Sword of Fire and Ice anyways. Sure. But or JIT, yeah, JIT would probably be even better because for pretty much the same price. All right, so then why is why is Heroes Blade good? Um, um, just tiny leaders. Yeah, you don't need Stoneforge. <laughs> you, you don't need Stoneforge. You can just play it on its own. Just like All right, but what's, what's, the, what's the creature you're putting in? Uh, either Thrun or Geisasane Traft or basically any three-drop legendary creature. All right, so you're gonna run four of those in zero Stoneforge. That's what I'm saying, modern over legacy. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> it's quite good enough for legacy, but it's definitely <laughs> interesting going that into any three-drop legendary creature, because there's quite a few good three-drop legendaries. Even just in block. 
I can't wait to be the person who gets uh, Alicia who smiles at death and then picks up a uh, Hero's Blade. Oh, jeez. Yeah, Hero's okay. Blade into Alicia. I have a 6-4 first strike. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty filthy. On turn three? <laughs> turn three, yeah. Like, I, I've heard this talked about in Tiny Leaders just because, like, you have some really good commanders to pair it up with, like Kemba Regent and Geisus Aintraft and a couple others, so that, like, once you draw the Hero's Blade, or even Daxos and Miletus, um, so that, oh. like... If you, oh, that's so dirty on Daxos. Oh, yeah. Unblockable 6-4. Like, <laughs> yeah, just about. So, like, you can either, you know, with in that format, it's like, you can either hit the Stoneforge if you really want to get that, or Steel Shaper's Gift, or draw it, or you know, e-tutor, or, like, any one of those ways to go get it, like, you can just get automatic buff and then start going from there, start chaining that into more equipment, and goes right downhill. So, so Jerry, are you familiar with this at all, the the tiny leaders? Uh, I'm not, but just based on okay. the definition, I'm guessing is at EDH, but your commander has to be under a certain mana cost. Well, yeah, John, why don't you, why don't you give him a breakdown, because I saw your deck, and it, that actually looked like some fucking fun. Oh yeah, so it's, it's basically EDH light, or it's, it's mini EDH. People have also kind of compared it to like legacy light just because of the way, the speed of the format. So it's, yeah. instead of a 100 card deck, it's a 50 card deck. One of those 50 is your commander. Um, and your restriction is the mana, your converted mana cost on all your spells is three or less. So it's still a singleton format, but you're playing much cheaper spells. You're not, like, trying to jam these, you know, um, seven-drop monsters, mm-hmm. you know, turn three or four. It's it's a much tighter curve. And and um, it's a 1v1 format, so you get a sideboard of ten cards to sub in between games. Mm-hmm. And uh, your life total is 25. And I think they've, they've kind of come to this point because 20, I think, made aggro a little too good, and 30 or higher made aggro unplayable. So 25 mm-hmm. is kind of like the middle grounds. So, I'm already hooked. This sounds yeah. awesome. <laughs> so, so it's a one-off singleton, right, John? Yeah, it's a one-off singleton. And and it's really neat because, like, in, in multiplayer commander, people are kind of dirtling a little bit because they're trying to set up their mana for the later turns and do these huge, giant plays. Whereas tiny leaders, you're pretty much, because all your spells are cheap, you're just casting stuff from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, and you can play all different styles. Like, uh, just to give some examples, there for aggro, I've seen people play Zozu the Punisher, uh, Grenzo, um, Thalia, kind of like a death and taxes type of aggro type deck. Yeah. Shit, hell yeah. Yeah, you could play control, like Mariki Reburit is a good control, uh, commander. I play Sig, which we'll probably get to in a little bit, uh, Sig River Cutthroat, the blue black one. Oh, uh, um, the Merfolk one. Yeah, and then there's, like, there's combo, actually, potential out there, too. Like, I've I've heard of Kami, the Crescent Moon, and, like, a mill-type deck, or Mono Blue Storm for um, Brain Freeze. You can do, mm-hmm. you can do that as a kill condition, or uh, Infect with Varols. There's, there's, it seems like there's plenty of space to go looking at with, with this. And uh, the only thing that's a little different, too, is not, so there's, um, all monocolor commanders out there for tiny leaders. There's, I think, all the guilds have a uh, commander to pull from. Mm-hmm. But the three color ones, well, up until this set, we were missing Bug, Blue White Red, and Mardu, Black or Dega, Black White Red. But, oh, I would, I would totally do Angus McKenzie. <laughs> yeah, we have Bans. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely a deck. 
Um, so, so we got Alicia filled that black, white, red slot. Mm-hmm. And, um, was it Sun Yoon, the blue creature that has red and white in his mana cost? Well, yeah, people were talking about him for commander, uh, like just regular commander. Shu Yoon, the Silent Tempest. Yeah, that filled the Jeskai spot. So now, Bug is the only one where we, we don't have it, but you can, you can still play it. You just get a vanilla 2 2. That's like your commander, quote unquote. Ah, I gotcha. Um, so, and they, they have a ban list that's pretty similar to the commander ban list and the 1v1 kind of staple together with some obvious cards that are really, really good, like, uh. Counterbalance. Yeah, counterbalance <laughs> is really good. Everything costs three. Alright, I would play counterbalance then. <laughs> yeah, or, um, sort of body in mind is actually a little powerful. Yeah, because oh, a 50 that. card deck, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, it, it's, um, I'll, I'll toss the blog uh, the website into the chat so you can toss yeah. it to the show. I'll throw it in the show notes, yeah. So, that's a pretty cool format. I mean, do you want to kind yeah. of segue into the deck I've been playing or? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, cause I, no, I saw no, a couple no of the cards in your deck that look no like so much fun. <laughs> yeah, so I play, uh, Sig River Cutthroat, which is like a blue-black tempo control type deck. Mm-hmm. And I am pulling up the deck list as we speak, but it's basically lots of counter, lots of removal, and then like a couple of efficient beaters to keep the tempo going. So like we have Shadow Mage Infiltrator. Um, I don't have him in there just because like I've been trying to abuse the, the Sig's ability, which actually for the people who don't know what it is, it's a it's a two mana one three. At the beginning of each end step, if an opponent lost three or more life this turn, you draw a card. So he, he used to see play in Merfolk. Oh yeah, that's true. He still yeah. sees play in uh, modern Merfolk. Okay. Oh yeah. So I have counterspell dash hopes. So it's like, oh well, it's a counterspell, but you if you want to counter it, you got to pay five. So it's like, all right, you can resolve what you want whatever you want to resolve, but I'm going to draw a card off of that with second play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deprive is another counter. Essence Vortex, that's a, uh, very target creature unless they pay in life of their toughness. Um, Hero's Downfall's really good. Man- there's still, there's still another card. I'm waiting for him to mention it because it's actually the one that made me look at this format in a different light. Maybe. Well, let's see. Mana Leak, Memory Lapse, Miscalculation, Muddle the Mixture. Cause I like that, um, Blue Black gives mm. you Transmute. So, like, yeah. I can muddle the mixture for Runechanter Spike, for instance, and yeah. speed up the clock. That's uh, real good. Or Perplex is another transmute card that I can transmute for sort of Fire and Ice or sort of Feast and Famine. Uh, Psionic Blast, Remand. And, and here's the cool thing of Tiny Leaders. I don't know if this is the card, Adrian, but um, card like Smother is now become <laughs> a murder for two mana. <laughs> Destroy target creature with converted mana cost three or less. It can't be regenerated. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I mean, <laughs> Abrupt Decay is probably the best card in the format. Yeah, Abrupt Decay is, is fantastic. Inquisition of Kozilek is fantastic. Oh, uh, put, put Abrupt Decay on Isotron Scepter. Oh my god. That's Just, true. You should do that. <laughs> that's the type of stuff that gets the card. That's the stuff that gets cards banned. I still haven't, yeah, I still haven't heard the card that interested me. And it, the, the card that interested me wasn't even about the format, it was just about the card itself. Is Undermine? No, it's Bitter Blossom. Oh yeah, so for, yeah, my dude package, I have Bitter Blossom, I have, um, Pack Rat, cause that card gets pretty nutty with- Oh my god. You don't have like a ton of sweepers in the format, I mean you got Deed, you have, actually, I play two sort of Wraths, I play Black Sun Zenith, cause that's a mm-hmm. mana cost of two. 
and marsh casualties, which is kind of like a plague wind almost, because, I mean, creatures in this format aren't really that big, so giving all of your opponent's guys neg one, neg one, or neg two, neg two might very well wrath their board. Um, so that yeah. pack rat, um, true name nemesis also triggers sick. Oh, jeez. I'm guessing uh, pestilence is banned. Pestilence, I think, is not banned. Oh, wow. You should play that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's actually pretty sweet. Uh, click. Um, yeah, there's like really cool cards. I mean, I played some swords, elixir of immortality to cycle back through my deck again. Um, and then like cyborg cards are just like kind of, you know, I have some graveyard hate and black spell bomb, like the other swords, um, you know, ink moth nexus. If I'm playing against like an annoying life gain deck, I have another wind condition type of thing. Um, so it's, it's pretty, it's interesting the kind of space that people have been going on within this particular format. Um, and, and I think all the elements are there's counter magic, there's removal, there's good creatures, there's, Mass removal, maybe not in the most obvious places, but mass removal's there. Um, oh man, I've played Ashiok in this deck. Ashiok's a really oh, fun oh. card. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> like, that's the thing is, I forgot how many cards are actually really good and strong, like, at two, three mana. Like, I'm, I'm always, oh my, well yeah, I guess there's really no point in playing show and tell in that format. I'm used to like Grizzlebrand, Omniscient, <laughs> um, Emrakul. Like, I, f- I forget that this actually, Cards that you can and want to play at a lower casting cost. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely see the comparison to like its legacy EDH. Because yeah. no, it seems well. The thing that the thing that's also cool is like being a fifty card deck. The chances that you're going to draw your one ofs are in, increased at, well, at least over EDH anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. and there, and like there's tutors that are there to help get certain things. Um, can you use demonic tutor? Is I think D tutor's a little too good. Yeah, D tutor's banned. Okay, all right. But I think there's um. What about mystical? I don't think mystical's banned. No, mystical isn't on the, on the ban list. I don't think. Hmm. Personal. Yeah. Good. Yeah, like all the yeah. monocolor ones. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. That's they're all fair game. Um. Yeah, it sounds like a cool format. I mean, like strip mine is banned in this particular one because I mean you do have crucible. It's also legal. Um, but you have wastelands available, so you can you can still mess with the person that that wanted to be cheaty McCheater face and have all the <laughs> dual lands in their deck and really screw them. Uh, now, how um how how long does a game take with a fifty card deck? Oh, like, it, is it with twenty five um with twenty five uh, life for each mm-hmm. side? It goes pretty quick. Yeah, it it definitely those games go like a regular one v one game. Okay, so like like a regular maybe legacy round or so. I'm I'm trying to think if it's something that you could actually do in between rounds. Oh, you, know, and, you can I definitely mean, I, crack this open and play. Probably as as long as you're not playing like miracles or um, <laughs> like you really don't. I don't even have time to smoke up, but between rounds, some some days <laughs> I'm like elves and I got absolutely nothing. Oh yeah, there's a Zuri elf ball. That's definitely in the. Uh... Oh yeah, that's oh so glimpse of nature's legal. Uh, yep, glimpse I believe is legal. Um, some of the, I'm I'm just looking through the list real quick. Like ones that you would think that might not be banned because it's not really banned in EDH. They're banned here. Like like counterbalance we talked about. D tutor is is banned. Um, Edric is banned completely. Oh, that's too bad. He's he's a, he's a little good. 
But like <laughs> that's it. I was when I when I heard about it, I'm like a three casting cost legendary. What would I want to play? And I'm looking through my binders, like, well, I got Edric, and then I was just sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, well, I've got that green commander deck. I could strip fifty cards out of it, stick in the extra glimpse of nature, play back intruder alarm. But no, you can't uh, use Edric, huh? I think there's there are there is another blue green commander that's available. So it has to be legendary too, right? Yes. So I'm taking a quick peek at the commanders. It's not a huge list. Um, I'm just kind of thumbing through to see the ones that I've seen before. Kembaka Regent, like a mono-white equipment theme. Brahmas for just, like, white aggro. Um, what about multicolor here? Blue- oh, Varel is blue-green. Blue, for each okay. the counter-on-target artifact creature lane, you put another one. Um, I've seen... Um, Mormon Shira- what was it? Um, what, what is it, Momer? Momir? Momir? Oh, Momir Vig? Yeah, he's like a five drop, I think. Is he? I thought he was three. No. Think, oh, no, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking of the guy who draws cards whenever a creature connects. Yeah, the, well, the other one... Uh, oh, Edric. We were just Edric. talking about how Edric's, uh, Edric's banned, actually, because he's a little too good. Yeah. <laughs> the other part I was thinking when you said it, too, uh, was Pestilence is actually a CMC4. Oh, is That's, it four? Yeah. I thought it was three, really? Yeah, two black, two colorless. Well, you could play like Crip Rats. Crip Rats is kind of functions similarly, too. Okay. Um, but like, I I think I've seen. Oh my God! Wait a minute. Tiny leaders. All the creatures are small then, right? Right. Is it Staticaster? It has to be ridiculous. He can be pretty good, yeah. <laughs> or um, like I I've seen like, remember like the Zombardman decks in Legacy that's like black, white, red, kind oh, of. Yes. So like, you have Timoret filling that kind of a void. Hmm. Um. Or Tesa kind of for a similar deal. That, that's seen. actually my friend's regular EDH deck. Is Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, Goblin Bombardment with uh, Timoret and Blood Gas and all the goodies. Oh, nice. Uh, I I've, I got a list for Sidri. It's kind of like artifact control combo. Like It looks like it could play a little bit of Bomberman, but it can also just go on a beatdown. Like, actually, I was telling this to Adrian. So picture this, right? So you got Sidri. Um, now imagine Sidri with Caltrops. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so for blue, Catchoff becomes a three three, and then for black white, it gets lifelink and death touch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's dirty. Uh, I've seen like Radha for like red green aggro type of thing. Um, Marath for Naya Naya aggro. Um, Angus Mackenzie. Angus for combo. I've seen Tetsuo Umazawa. Just for the colors, because you can get mana for red, black, and then blue for cantrips and stuff. Um, I've seen people play Jura Arian. That's the Jund one, just to play Jund, like a Jund-style game. Right. Um, definitely some interesting directions. Like, I've, Doran is actually a pretty popular uh, commander in this format, with Anafenza, similarly, in the junk spot. Yeah. Uh, Animar Hydras, that's, a, that's another archetype I've seen. Because your creature spells cost one less, and most of your hydras have a converted mana cost of three or less, so you could just jam a high number for X, and then Animar will just keep reducing that cost and all the hydras. Um, that gets pretty silly. Um, and I think I've seen Annex and Siamid is kind of like a Voltron type deck. Um, yeah, it, there's definitely a lot of of cool things going on. I think there's like maybe like a hundred plus commanders you can pick from across all the colors and multicolors. And there's a Facebook group. If uh, 
people are interested. There's a Facebook group for tiny leaders that people look at and they throw deck ideas and, and, and I also like that this format, when people talk about like the ban list, like, hey, this card seems a little hasty to ban, like maybe, um, I'll take an example, maybe, maybe not Metal Worker, cause that seems a little bit powerful, but like, um, Let's say Edric, yeah, because I know we've been talking about it already. Like, well, how powerful really is Edric? Well, the people who made the format up, they play avidly, so they'll definitely test certain cards out and try to come up with some solid conclusions of, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, and all the decks that play Edric, it's not, like, super offensive. It plays this style, and and we'll ban it. And, and, like, they're pretty on top of the ban list, unlike the commander group where it's... I don't know. I, I guess everybody has their entitled to <laughs> I, their opinion. I feel it's a little. Um, I heard it's a lot of politics with that. Yeah, one. that's how I kind of feel about it. It's just like I feel like none of the, this these bands and unbands and overall commander are really data driven, whereas yeah. people actually try things out here. Uh, hmm. I, well, I also feel with any EDH format, it doesn't matter what the ban list is. It's what your play group wants to play. If your play group says it's okay to play something, it is. And even if a card isn't on the ban group uh, ban list, if no one in your play group will play with you if you play that card, that card's effectively banned. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, or the player is. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> yeah. like take your ball and go home. We don't want to play with you. <laughs> yeah, like like the the guy that plays time stretch and like tries to get it back over and over and over again. Yeah, so we we do that thing because I only play commander with four people. We get together all the time. We don't really play commander with anyone else, so we don't even really bother looking at the commander banned and restricted list. Which is right. why, because I mean, I'm also never going to enter a commander tournament at an actual event. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not something that really interests me, so I don't really pay that close attention. But I, I, I do like that they are, you know, on top of it and actually, you know, doing results instead of just emotional bans. Right. How exactly. About, um, all right. Anything else on tiny leaders? I think uh, it's just worth going and check it out. I know some local stores are already picking it up and trying to do some tournaments with it. I know Mild yeah. Jess has been talking about maybe doing a league if there's yeah, maybe like eight or nine of us. Isn't uh, yeah, Tabletop Games is doing it right? Um, Ice Ice is doing weekly tournaments. Oh, are they for Tiny Leaders? Yep, Wednesday okay. nights. Well, so there's a there's a store up in Spencer that's been tempted to see if anybody actually has interest in it, and I didn't. Um, I didn't actually have interest in it until I saw your deck, John. And I'm like, all right, actually, that looks like a bunch of fun cards to play with. Yeah, next time up, I'll try to get another deck or so put together. So just to just to jam it, just to see what it, what it, how it feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I also like it because I can see this kind of being the format where you have a deck idea for Legacy, but it's just not quite good enough for Legacy. And you either don't want to play it in modern or some of the cards aren't available in modern. This will give you the outlet without forcing you to, you know, build a whole commander deck out of it. Yeah, that's what I like too, is you don't have to worry about 99 cards for your deck. You just have to worry about 50. And especially if you pick out a monocolor general, that cuts it down even further. Like, you, maybe you gotta fill in 35 spots and that's not, definitely not hard to do. Right. So it, it lets you still pull off those combos that you want to see, but, you know, just aren't quite good enough. Like, I've been trying to break Summoner's Egg and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Summoner's Egg and then, uh, uh, Pro- uh Proteus Staff. Uh, <laughs> I just want a Proteus Staff, a token into Emrakul. <laughs> just no creatures and just, but I just couldn't figure out a deck good enough for Legacy, but I feel it would be perfect for 
Dining Commanders. Probably yeah, not Proteus staff because I can't run them or cool, but. Right, right. That's where I was going with that, <laughs> you, Jerry. But you, you know what card you can play in this format, though? <laughs> Phyrexian Dreadnought. Thank you. <laughs> wow, no kidding, huh? No, yeah. no, no. Celso, I will make Phyrexian Dreadnought Legacy playable if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> You could you could play it like in a deck with like top and and the manifest spells are pretty cheap. Yeah, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna top eight uh, an SCG with this Phyrexian Dreadnought, even if it has to be a standard SCG. <laughs> a standard SCG with Phyrexian Dreadnought. Yes. I want to see you make top eight a standard SCG with a Phyrexian Dreadnought with, with with a judge that hasn't looked at your deck list the whole day. <laughs> I can just picture can, Patrick Sullivan and Cedric Phillips sitting down. And it's like. Uh, not really sure how this happened, folks, but uh, he must have paid off quite a few people. <laughs> yeah, we got Phyrexia Dreadnought for you. Um, wow. So, James of Mephistopheles I can play in this format. Oh, that's true. Uh, Dak, uh, Dak, Dak Faden and Chains of Mephistopheles? Uh, what, are the, what are the Grixis commanders? Oh, Tetsuo Mizawa. There you go. Uh, yeah, there we go. It's a good wow. control card, too. Yeah. <laughs> Can't play Notion right. Thief though. Oh, I know. That's a, that is a bummer. Huh. <laughs> you still play all the busted cantrips like Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordain. Those go really. Yeah, could, those go really well with uh, Chains of Mephistopheles. <laughs> so a fifty card deck. That's got to be a pretty good mill strategy too, then, huh? Yeah, I actually one of my followers on Twitter. He uh, has Ambassador Laquatus. As his okay. Oh yeah. Um, he is sure his main board. Yeah, his main board strategy is the mill, but his sideboard strategy is Merfolk. So he just brings all of the Merfolk lords in and goes on a beatdown. <laughs> okay. So like, if you have you know Gaia's blessing or like one any one of those like reshuffle effects of your uh, graveyard, he can just go beat down on you. <laughs> oh man, do I finally get to play Feldon's Kane again? Yeah, you can play Felon's game. Like, I play Elixir in, in my deck just because I want to keep getting all those counter spells and removal spells back in my hand. You know, after a whole bunch of, you know, trading and beatdown and stuff like that in my control deck. Oh, that, that's what Feldon's Kane does. That, that's one of my old favorites before Elixir or Immortality was ever printed. Feldon's Kane's like from way back in the day. I think it might have even been in beta, uh, alpha. Uh, but it's Elixir Immortality, but it's free to activate, but you don't gain yep. five life. Yeah, and you exile the the card too, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you play like young pyromancer, snapcasters. Like, there's, you know, like counterspell. The actual counterspell is legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of really, really neat neat spaces you can go in. Like, you can play the wishes, or most most if not all the wishes. Um, so, like, I like I've seen that's what Umazawa like combo uh, storm combo would go wishing for like one of the kill conditions in the sideboard. Like brain freeze, or I think that's the only one. Oh, maybe grape shot, I guess. Yeah. All right. So, anything else on tiny leaders, or should we just go towards like uh, local magic? Well, one quick thing before we transition from tiny leaders. Yeah. Have you guys talked about what predictions for Monday? Oh, banned and restricted. Yeah. No. Um, We haven't. Well, I put my. I think I think they're gonna ban Delver. In Legacy. I would actually be totally okay with that. I have won a lot of money with Delver, and I'm still totally okay with seeing it showing at the door. It just it just restricts deck construction. 
What do you say, John? Yeah, I think the card Delver of Secrets is a little too good. Like, you could put that in any color combination with blue, and it's just, like, absurd. We're, I mean, we're just... A- we're just eventually going to get the get to the point where it's not building a deck anymore. It's just these are the sixty best cards. Yeah. You think, uh, so you think you guys think Treasure Cruise and Modern gone? Uh from what I've been hearing, I I, I can't really speak to Modern because I don't play it competitively at all. But yeah, me neither. From what I've been hearing is it's not really the problem people made it into the boogeyman it was, which I see in Legacy. Okay. Like yeah, I I played a bit. And I actually last week got to bust out the Blue Red Delver deck that's been notorious, if you will, over the last few months. And mm-hmm. I actually think that that's what the deck needed to actually become tier one. It didn't really knock any of the, some of the other decks out. Like maybe Black Green or like Jund or Junk got pushed down a little bit because of the card advantage Treasure Cruise posed, but like it kind of brought it on par with Birthing Pod. It kind of brought it fairly on par with like Splinter Twin. For the most part, um, I actually think the card that I want to see banned in that format is Jeskai Ascendancy because not because it's a super powerful card. Like I think it's a if if Blue Red Storm can win on turn three, it's okay to have it on that axis. But I think it leads to very uh, unsavory so, uh, game. Like it's it's like Blue Red Storm where it's like I'm gonna do all these things and I think eventually maybe I'm gonna kill you but we have to go through these motions that's gonna take five to ten minutes or as some people described it it's like you know you're kind of jerking off by yourself and making the other person watch you know like yeah if Second Sunrise gets banned that card I think should be banned for a similar effect yeah that and also it's the same reason why like Sensei's Divining Top is banned it's not because it's too powerful it's just too annoying right. All right. So, any any predictions banned or unbanned in Legacy? Um, well, also just real quick on the... Because also with Modern, uh, didn't Pod just win the last GP that happened? Was it GP Omaha? It yes, it, it did. Yeah, so I don't think, just based on that, I think what is going to happen, and I actually put my money where my mouth is, uh, I just ordered four Japanese uh, Ancestral Visions, um, because nice. I think if they're going to leave uh, Treasure Cruise, it's going to be okay to unban Ancestral Visions. Right. Because Treasure Cruise is just playing better than Ancestral Visions in a lot of matchups. Right. Yeah, I think if Cruise is legal, Vision has to be legal. And I think if you're going to give Blue these powerful draw effects, like Dig Through Time, Treasure Cruise, and Vision, to balance that out, I think Blood Braid Elf can come yep. off the unbanned list. Yeah, that's exactly where, where I was going with that. Yeah, I think unbanning is going to be Ancestral Visions and Blood Braid Elf. Yeah, and actually, I think that it's very unoffensive to unban Grave Troll if Dread Return is still banned. Because, like, I think you do some really neat Dread strategies that's not super busted because you don't have Dread Return to get some free flashbacks. Right. Um, you could probably build a cool dra- uh, Dredge Unburial Rights type of deck with Grave Troll. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think that's a safe one, but here's... I'm going to throw this to you guys, see what you think. Um, credit to Jeff Hoagland for bringing this up in his recent article today. He he proposed a unbanning of Stoneforge Mystic paired with a banning of Batterskull because the two of them legal together <laughs> would be a little insane. But his logic was with unbanning Stoneforge and having the swords available, you might make a pretty decent blade type of deck, like a Cobblade that's not yeah. super busted because you don't have Jace, 
You know, mm-hmm. a batter skull, but you still have some swords and some birds, and you have ways to deal, to interact with that kind of a deck. What do you guys think about that kind of a move? I, I could definitely see that. I think that's, the, I think one of the benefits, one of the directions that Wizards has the ability to do with Modern that they don't have with Legacy is being Modernist's format that they shake up on purpose. And that type of move is exactly that. It's shaking up the format so that it's like, all of a sudden you can now do this thing you couldn't do before that's completely different and lets you attack the format from a totally different angle. So I'm actually all for that idea. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, I really like that. What about you, Adrian? Honestly, it's modern. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, poo-poo. Well, no, the, you, you're going to give me the cards I can already play with? I don't really <laughs> well, know Well, yeah, that's, that, that's what I was going to mention is like half... So, there's two peeps, types of people who want Bloodbraid Elf to be unbanned. The Jun players who want to play with Bloodbraid Elf, and then the blue players who say, well, Bloodbraid Elf is unbanned, so it's okay to unban Jace now. Can I have Jace? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to do Jace, I think you should unban um, Deathrite Shaman, too, to balance that one out. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Um, if, if they unban Stoneforge Mystic, I think Affinity would just be ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think on Bloodbraid Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I, like you're just you're just gonna grab a cranial plating easily. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I already I already hate affinity. I really I <laughs> it, it's it's one of the reasons like it's one of the reasons I just don't play modern. I just I have I have no interest in playing affinity, and um, I, I have less interest in playing against it. I I think there's enough answers though because that's still pretty slow. Like sure you're grabbing probably one of the best equipments, but it's still very easy to answer. Yeah, people do it in Legacy Boot. Like, the, yeah, but uh, when, was the last time saw, when was the last time you saw Affinity top eight a Legacy tournament? Uh, nothing. I haven't, but I faced it at a GPT anyway. Yeah, that's my buddy Dan. He that's the only deck he's been running for the last like four years. Well, yeah, well, no, Saeed, it was down at Connecticut. Yeah, it's Saeed down here. He plays. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I mean, he was he was he was a cool guy to play against. But like, if I wasn't playing ten fins, I I would have just like. Felt like I was playing modern. I wouldn't have just. I. I don't know, man. Like, it, when I see a legacy deck just drop a Stoneforge Mystic and grab a Cranial Plating because they're playing Affinity, Stoneforge in modern would like Affinity's already good. You know. Um, it's good, but it's not. I mean, it's in, it's, in modern. Yeah, it's not really. It's like tier one and a half right now. Okay. Because there's lots of ways to hate on it. Like, I mean, Or sure. Orzov Pontiff out of pod just like blows up most of the guys in on their field. Yeah, but then I gotta play Pod. Yeah, well, I mean, Pod's a, Pod's pretty far, and the Blue or Delver decks has ways to get rid of a lot of the creatures in Affinity too. There's a lot. Yeah, of, you know. I guess, I guess my thing is like the the decks in Modern don't interest me to play. You know, there's there's few decks in Modern that interest me to play, and you know, typically, I like playing combo. So like, if I play Modern, I've been trying to play with like really, I got an Elf Warrior deck that's really pretty decent. Um but it's an elf deck in modern that doesn't have glimpse of nature. So I, then I, I ended up sitting down across from affinity going, well, this is a fucking blast. You know, yeah. like, um, or, you know, of course I love playing Goryeo's Vengeance in modern. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a deck of Grizzlebrand right there. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that's that's just... But, you know, once I start playing Goryeo's Vengeance in modern, it's so inconsistent in modern, it's worse than it is in Legacy. And in Legacy, it's a blast. Like, the difference is, like, in Legacy, I can go 0-4 with tin fins and smile the whole day. You know, in in modern, if I'm like round one lose to affinity, I just want to skull fuck myself. <laughs> I'm like, man, this is just terrible. <laughs> it's, it's it's 
I don't know. Affinity, I, I, anyway, that's enough about me bashing on modern. Well, if you want to, I, I know a combo deck that might be up your alley that actually placed well, even at that GP, I think it, it lost in the finals. Bloom, Jeskai Ascendancy? No, no, Bloom Titan. The fuck is that? Uh, so that's the Jerry Thompson deck, isn't it? It's an Amulet of Vigor deck. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, and I beat that with, um, Gorio's Vengeance. That's the one deck I did beat. Yeah. <laughs> but like, at, the, at Grand Prix Boston. Yeah, Titan on turn two, or Hive Mind on turn two with a kill. Yeah. Like, and he starts bouncing all sorts of lands and stuff. I just got really lucky with it. Like, <laughs> he just, he just, he just barely whiffed, and on my turn I was able to reanimate Crystal Brand and kill him. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think the format will be diverse enough where you're gonna have, like, a selection of combo decks to pick from, a selection of Control decks to pick from and a selection of aggro decks. I think they're trying, they're still trying to, to feel it out and I guess start with a narrow metagame and kind of build it out a little bit piece by piece. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think it's gonna get, it's only gonna get better from here on out. And like having cards like Treasure Cruise come in, I think is fantastic. Unbanning cards, I think are fantastic. Like another card. Yeah. I'm always another- a bigger fan of unbanning rather than banning. Yeah, like, a card I'd like to see come off the unban list, because I don't think it's that stupid, is Sword of the Meek. Like, just another win condition for the control decks, because it's not like it's top where you're going to take forever oh. to win. Sword of the Meek, no, I, I actually, I don't think you can unban that. I would love it if they did, but I honestly don't think you can. I think, I think decks are already looking to interact with the Graveyard because of Treasure Cruise, that Sword of the Meek's going to get hated a little bit because of that. Yeah, but uh, like it's a brutal combo in Legacy. It's it's backbreaking in Modern. It's unbeatable. Well, so that that poses a question then because I've been thinking about something recently. Um, so in a bug deck, mm-hmm. right? Where you have access to blue black for Thopter Foundry. Yeah. Would you would it be worth playing because you got access to green anyway? Gay is Cradle to keep activating it. You just double in your creatures every turn with one tap of a Cradle. Yeah, it's just it's really annoying when you're stuck on mana because you can't cast the Thopter Foundry off Gaia's sure. Cradle and well that's yeah but oh, sorry I interrupt Go ahead. oh no I was just saying it's like I think it is it's just I don't know if it's worth it because in those decks you want to be able to have access to blue and so his- a lot of those decks don't even you know they run they don't run by you or they only want to run one copy of by you because they can't afford having a non blue uh, card well this is this is my thought on it was um shardless bug had access to the colors because you were using Deathrite shaman mhm and and it, you could continue to do the same thing including cascade into the thopter foundry yeah i i i've seen decks with uh, running it before so that that's yeah i can definitely see that i've just debated as like a one of crop rotation to get the gaia's cradle when i want and start to just double my creatures every turn. Yeah, definitely. It's just, I don't know, something I was thinking about, so as you mentioned, the Thopter Foundry, and like, yeah, sort of the meek Thopter Foundry, where it's something you're trying to figure out how to get in Legacy, because it is so um, hard to interact with. In Modern, it, it's got it. I don't know how many decks in Modern are playing Rest in Peace, but... Well, and not even thinking about the sword itself, but like the Thopter part of it. So yeah. like, Abrupt Decay wasn't the card back when Thopter Depths was a really strong deck and extended. Mm-hmm. So, so like, Abrupt Decay exists now. People are playing Smash the Smithereens in their sideboard already. The white decks have some form of enchantment or artifact hate available now, too. I think, I mean, and you can just counter the pieces as well. Yeah, it's it's a lot harder to protect in modern compared to legacy. I can definitely see that. It's also it's easier to recur in legacy. I think that's one of the problems in legacy with it is that it's so easy to bring back. Um yeah. 
through like either Academy Ruins, Goblin Welder, or you know any other you know number of things that comes up with that. Yeah, well, you get Academy Ruins and Modern also. You do, but um, it 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 is available in Modern, but it's not as much. Yeah, and I think it's also slow enough where it's, it. I mean, you still have combo that's going to probably pressure it enough to to beat it out. Yeah, um, but I always like those those proactive win conditions that close the game out a little bit quick instead of taking forever. Like, um, I liked and treat the angels as a win condition. I like, you know, thopters. I think you make enough of them per turn that you can easily beat down a couple turns to close out the game. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's too, too bad. It, it'd be very interesting to see how that would fit. Like, that's where I would love, um, like a, a series on one of the major content sites where, I, I don't know if you guys watched the Caleb Durwood series on the Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doing it for modern, just to see what kind I of. I think someone you- did though, didn't? I, I think it might have been Kayla Derwald. I think he did the for modern as well. Oh, maybe. I don't I know if it was a video it. series. I think it might have been an article series though. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, his his legacy series was actually really good. Yeah, um, I love that thing. Yeah. Um, so he, speaking of which, anything in legacy do you think is gonna to be shaken up? I, I'm I'm getting a little bit pissed here. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the banned restricted list and I'm like what the hell is this card? They're all the conspiracy cards. All the conspiracies uh, are actually uh, listed on the banned restricted oh, list. Oh yeah. <laughs> this, 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 I'm like man, I haven't seen this card before. What's that? And I'm like oh that's why I haven't seen it. They really need to list that on the banned list? Yeah. Um, I, I heard a rumor about the legacy so there's always the conspiracy theory that some people know the banned and restricted list before it's made public. And that's why you see like huge spikes of cards right sure. right before the ban list comes out. Like Skirk Alarmist. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Skirk Alarmist. <laughs> no, um I heard a rumor that uh Survival of the Fittest is getting unbanned. Really? Yeah. Survival of the Fittest has close to doubled in price in the last month. And there's no real reason for it. Just like Bitter Blossom spiking mysteriously before the modern unban. Yep, exactly. So, uh, that, that's a rumor. Uh, if you haven't noticed, uh, Survival of the Fittest is sitting at about $50 right now, up from about $25 a month ago. And it's, there's no reason, like, it's not like it's all of a sudden seeing, the only thing I can think of is it kind of corresponded with the uh, Moto Cube coming out, so people all of a sudden wanted more copies because they were putting the cube together in paper. Okay. That's the yeah, but still. only, but I don't see it doubling in price because of that. It could be for just Commander in general, too, because that's a very, very strong card in it that is, format. It is, but I just, like, why now? And why that quickly? Like, I can see it ticking up, doubling in price over the course of six months, but doubling in price in, you know, a couple weeks is pretty unheard of without a buyout. And I, I think it's a very quiet buyout. My guess is it's probably a spec, and also because it's a reserve list card, so buying it out and spiking the price is not super hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also with that, I've noticed Bloodbraid Elf is sold out on a bunch of uh, websites because I'm trying to buy them right now. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, more specking. <laughs> yeah, more specking. Uh, also, just touching on that real quick, I think that uh, Wizards realized they beat up on Jun too much. Banning Deathrite and Bloodbraid Elf just kind of pushed that deck out of the format. Yeah. Oh, well, speaking of which, there's another card that I want to see banned in that format, which is uh, Great Shot. Just because of Jeskai's tendency. Banned in modern? Yeah. John, have you ever seen this 
uh, like a Cheerios deck in modern. In modern? In it's modern? Like I, I had a kid actually, like I was playing, um, I was playing Gorio's Vengeance, he turn two'd me. He, uh, turn one, two zero drop equipments and a Mox Opal and a Gemstone Mine and a Pure Steel Paladin. Oh, that deck. It always turned two, turn two, he cast a Riddlesmith, kept dropping zero drop equipments, attached everything to the Pure Steel Paladin, attacked me for five, and then grape shotted me. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I've seen that, like that, or like the Twiddle deck with, um, was it Celestial Mantle? Is that the, or Paradise Mantle? Paradise Paradise Mantle. Mantle. Yeah. And, uh, Blister Coil Weird, or whatever that is. Yep, yep. Okay. Like, I've seen that. But I thought you were talking about like, like cobalts and the <laughs> no, authors. No, no. Uh, no, I have no, cobalts. I've just never. I have the deck, like every piece of it. I've just never sleeved it up, and it's it's on my bucket list. <laughs> so anyway, um, all right. So, so any any other band restricted things? So I guess recap. Uh, we would like to see Delver band. <laughs> Yeah, uh, survival might be unbanned based on these wild speculations. Other than that, I think Legacy's staying pretty much the same. I think Legacy's in a really healthy place right now. I think there's some other Legacy cards I'd like to see unbanned just because it doesn't make that much sense anymore, like World Gorger Dragon. Yeah, uh, well, World Gorger Dragon's banned for mechanic reasons. Yeah, I um, guess. Well, I mean, you can build... Just like Four Horsemen now, I think I've seen... a. Uh, version out on the internet that you can actually do a version of Four Horsemen where you can stop. Like, I think you could do a similar thing with World Gorger Dragon where you can purposely stop the loop. Well, well, I mean, just because you can doesn't mean players will. I think what they're afraid of is, like, the reason, same reason why Shaharazard is banned. Because they don't want players playing, you know, five games in a, in a match. Sucking the clock. Yeah, exactly. Because with World Gorge of Dragon, you can basically just be like, oh, I'm going to lose this game? Well, reset. Yeah, I can see it for that reason. I mean... It, isn't, that, isn't that what Miracles does? Yeah. <laughs> but do we really need more <laughs> of those? Do we really need more of those? <laughs> I can see them unbanning World Gorge of Dragon if they, like, rules eradicated it to, uh, you know, prevent the infinite loop. Hmm. Um, at first I kind of wanted Mind Twist to be unbanned, and then I played against it, and I, <laughs> I want that to stay banned. <laughs> no, okay, and, and I don't fully get this, but if Mind Twist is so oppressive, how come nobody's playing Rakdos Return? Is it really just one red? Yeah, it, yeah that one red is, really matters. Okay. Um, just be- Just wondering. <laughs> just because you can go, like, Ancient Tomb, what really got it for me was playing against it in Cube. Just because you can go, like, Ancient Tomb, Swamp, and then turn to Dark Ritual and strip your opponent's hand. Okay. And that's just absolutely backbreaking. Like, it, it, Pox would probably move up a few pegs in the, the Legacy Ladder if Mind Twist got unbanned. And that- can we mm-hmm. can we unban Black Vice? Yeah, that one doesn't make much sense anymore. Yeah. Um... I think the reason why is the stifle deck, not the stif- like stifle card, but just the, the mana stifle decks. Jesus, okay, that would suck it. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> you go like turn one black vice, and then for the rest of the game, you're just dropping like wastelands and trinospheres and, uh, sphere of resistance. Oh my god, yeah. Oh jeez. But you know, at least that's a win condition, I'll end the game in a few turns, unlike 
the same thing without right. <laughs> without the black lights. <laughs> At least I'd have time to go smoke a cigarette. Yeah, because yeah, but... <laughs> that would be a deck called Lands. <laughs> that already does that. Oh yeah, yeah. Port. Yep. Okay. Um. Well, all right. So I'm just I'm looking at the rest of the list here. I don't like the way they changed the website either. I, I don't think this, this should scroll with my eyes. It, it was messing with me. The whole background's moving with it. Um, but I love that this format is 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 in a spot where you don't. There's no need to really have to start talking about unbanning a whole pile of cards or banning a pile of cards. Like it seems. No, the ones that are banned are pretty banned for I think pretty good reason. Black Vice, I mean. You know, now that Jerry points it out with like, well, you get a nice tempo deck that just you, give, keeps you off mana. That already drives me nuts if I'm taking damage while they're doing it too. Yeah. From like, oh, Delver, Black Vice, Stifle Wasteland. I'm like, Jesus, yeah. come on. But like, if you watch Kale's videos where he had a blue or Delver deck with Stifle Wasteland, and even Goblin Guide to start to start adding more cards to their hand, like it was absolute garbage. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, <laughs> I think yeah. I think what it really is is just multiple Black Vices. Mul- sure. Like multiple black vices really stack up, and it's uh, it's it's encouraging players to play magic in a way that they don't view as fun. Yeah, I think it's like it's banned for the same reason why you know they don't print land destruction cards anymore. Yeah, I guess, but it's like one of those. The only scenarios where black vice is actually really good is if you lay it on turn one, or if you lay multiples on turn one, and it doesn't really happen all that often unless you're aggressively mulliganing to something like that. Like, it seemed like on the average of all the videos that was done with this with this deck, like, it did maybe three damage top. So it basically acted as a lightning bolt. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> oh, also, I think they can probably unban Flash now. I think we're a ways away from the days of uh, Flash Hulk. Um, so I think it's probably safe to bring that back. You know, there's other decks that, you know, win just as consistently and... You know, with as few cards as Flash Hulk did, and we just have much better protection for it now. Um, actually, that was the deck I saw that he just crushed people with. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at the hey. deck list real quick to see what, how he, where he put it in. So, his targets were, Kiki, oh, he could do, um, is it Kiki Jiki Carbon Guide? As a combo? Or, oh, Kiki Jiki Carrying Feeder Karmic Guide. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's a, that's a four-card combo. <laughs> well, not with Hulk. Like, with Flash Hulk, with Hulk, you sack Hulk and get Kiki Jiki Carrying Feeder and Karma Guide. Like, that all still fits the, uh, yeah. mana cost. Does Hulk put him into play? What, what? Yeah, it goes right into play. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just, yeah, what is it? You sack, um, Karma Guide, or, yeah, you copy the Karmic Guide, and then you sack EG Karmic Guide, I think, and then just keep loop, rinsing and repeating. Yeah. And, and combo kill them that way. And he had, like, three packed to negate you for a force of will. Um, Summoner's pack to go get the Protean Hulk. Like, it's actually pretty neat to go back and watch these series of videos, but I remember yeah. that one, just, like, was, not a chance. The, uh, <laughs> the Yagmoth's Bargain one was infuriating, though, because he, I don't know what, he, he just built the deck wrong and didn't really play it right, but he, like, played oh, it yeah. and got crushed, and it was like, yeah, it's probably okay to unban Yagmoth's Bargain, and I'm just sitting there like, no! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you cannot do that! <laughs> like, ugh, <laughs> 
I don't know how he lost the games he did with Yagmoth's bargain in play, but like you got a Yagmoth's bargain in play on turn two and still lost the game. Yeah. Now I'll 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 pose the other side of like why why Flash might be safe because now we have Deathrite and Grafdigger's Cage that might slow that deck down quite a bit. And rest in peace. And rest in peace. Yeah, so like that might make it potentially safe. Um, I'm also looking at another list with with Flash Hulk that has slivers, but I'm not sure how the combo actually works. It has like the poisonous slivers with the haste sliver. Oh uh, yeah, yep. You could just do it that way. Um, know what I actually would really like them done ban is Goblin Recruiter. Oh my god, that one might be. <laughs> I mean, Goblin, I miss Goblins. Goblins has, like, fallen off the face of the earth. I think Goblin Recruiter might be just what it needs to to come back. It's not something that can be broken in any other deck. Like, it has to go in Goblins, and Goblins is just about unplayable now. And I think if they unbanned it, it would actually make it competitive again, which I think would probably be healthy, because you do want a mono-red deck in the format. I think the only argument I've seen against it is... A time issue similar to, like, Doomsday, where you have the whole deck in hand and you have the ability to stack your deck. Can you figure it out, in t- like, in a re- timely manner how to stack your deck in which to abuse the Goblin Recruiter? I think that was the only thing that I read about that was the knock, the current knock against Recruiter. Um, well, I think if as long as uh, Enter the Infinite is unbanned, I think Goblin Recruiter's fine. Well, Enter the Infinite isn't stacking. Enter the Infinite is just you put them in your hand. Yeah, but... You're not, you're not waiting for your next turn. You're just casting everything that's in your hand from that point on. Yeah, and you have the combo in hand to just get the pieces that you need, like Cunning Ways for uh, Release the Ants or whatever. Yeah. But it is a neat little combo deck with Food Chain, though. It, it probably... Yeah, it with Food Chain, too. Yeah, Food Chain Goblins. Uh, that was Those were the days. <laughs> but I, I think, I mean, it takes the same amount of time since his Divining Top does. It just does it all at once instead of stretched out over, you know, ten turns. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's one of those, like, you know, you it's like a, a responsibility we have to be a competent pilot when we have these types of decks. Right, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Top's not a horrible card if you know how to play it. And <laughs> Sometimes I wished in, like, higher-level tournaments they instituted the, the chess rule, like what they have on Magic Online, where each player has their own clock. Hmm. True. Anything other on uh, spoilers? I mean, um, <laughs> band, band. I mean, I would like them to unban Skullclamp. Do I think they should? No. But I would still <laughs> like them to. <laughs> Ditto with the card Gush. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or Academy, even, for that matter. I think Wheel of Fortune would be cool if they just tacked on, cannot be played in any deck that runs blue. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think Wheel of Fortune would be awesome if it wasn't for the fact it would make Storm absolutely broken. <laughs> okay, I always liked it with Underworld Dreams. That, yeah, I always, well, also just, like, burn. Like, burn your face, Wheel of yeah. Fortune. Yeah, <laughs> sure, Is Jar legal? No. Never is Jar, no. Oh, Speaking of Wheel of Fortune effects. Hmm. Oh, no, it's the big one that really just absolutely should be unbanned. There's no reason why it's banned. Is uh, Earthcraft. Oh, yeah. Untap target basic land. Come on now. (laughs) Well, it's like, what is it? The um, Earthcraft squirrel nest combo? 
Yeah, in this case, it would probably Squirrel Nest would probably be replaced with uh, Thopter Foundry, but still, that's three colors. It's a three card, three color combo. If we're right. really that worried about that, we have some other things we need to address. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think that. I mean, that could probably be okay. I mean, like, what's the worst thing you're gonna do? You're gonna do like a blue green combo deck, so you have Force Will to protect your either of your combo pieces. But like, even so, it, it's it's kind of like Splinter Twin, just a little cheaper on the curve. I mean, no, it, it has to be blue green and then either black or white. Um, for, for the, for the combo piece, cause Thopter Foundry, what is it? Hybrid black white? Or is it hybrid blue? Oh, black? if you're gonna put that one in there too? I was just yeah. thinking of strict, uh, Earthcraft. Oh, just like, yeah, I, I would almost think, uh, Thopter Foundry would probably be better though, just because you, it can operate without the Earthcraft, whereas, uh, Squirrel Nest has to have the Earthcraft. Okay, well, I mean, I guess you could probably play with white, cause then you can play Heat Shooter <laughs> to get your pieces. Yeah, that too. <laughs> okay. But it, it's almost like it's a four-card combo because it has to be a basic <laughs> land. You can't even use any of your dual lands. Yeah. Uh, I'm no longer convinced you guys are the same person. <laughs> <laughs> no. Adrian, Adrian, it, it's actually a really clever, uh, really intricate... It's a, it's a really intricate recording that I made earlier on to convince you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're playing it back All in right. perfect sync. <laughs> so we still got to get to local... Top eight uh, and potential play. Right. It's ten of ten. Yeah, all right. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no problem. Um, it, okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, are we are we done with like unbanning cards yet? Yeah. Like, or, or are we gonna go down memory we'll, lane on like we can keep unbanning yeah, this we'll, thing? We'll, we'll talk about Oath of Druids next time we come on. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys want to talk about Oath of Druids, I can go smoke a butt, go to bed, I'll get up in the morning, we'll finish this conversation off. Hey, but it's like Grizzlebrand. You should be excited about that. Yeah, exactly. With yeah. with that, uh, what's yeah. the land, the Kamigawa land that puts tokens into play? Isn't it uh, Orchard, Forbidden Orchard? Yeah, Forbidden Orchard. Gives your opponent a token so you get to uh, Oath of Druids for free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, they're probably, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited the last time they unbanned something. It was Land Tax, and I still haven't found a way to effectively play it. Um, I got, like, I just actually did get a few cards to finish putting it together. But... Uh, anything else off the banned and restricted list? Uh, <laughs> okay, all right. Now, what did you think of breakfast? What did you think of breakfast, John? Oh, you know what? Because we were talking about legacy for so much. When you said breakfast, first thing that popped up was breakfast. <laughs> <Stephalid> breakfast. <laughs> so, like, no, no, I think all the cards are legal in that deck. Last time I checked. Well, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, so Jerry, while you were down at Mohegan Sun celebrating your birthday. Uh, John was actually up here taking your spot at TE. Oh. <laughs> Did you win? Or while you thought he was going to Mohican Sun, he really... <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I, gee, I drove up in the middle of the night, <laughs> changed into my Celso suit. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so, so what'd you think of Carl's John? Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, that, they, they feed you there. That... <laughs> They'll paint your nails if you don't finish. Yeah, they paint your nails if you don't finish, apparently. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's do a side of bacon, and bam, there's eight strips of bacon in front of you. Like, what? 
<laughs> he was he was putting bacon in front of me because he felt bad I was sitting there waiting for you. He's like, oh, I feel bad. There's no plate in front of you. Yeah, have some bacon. <laughs> uh, it it just brought it was it was back to memories just because of the the classic boxcar diner that you know you you seen from years ago. Like I lived in the South for a few years and mm-hmm. they have like some diners here or there, but it's really really hard to come across and. They definitely aren't like the ones that they have up in New England that, like, like I said, this, you know, classic boxcar type of diner with the counter, counter space yeah. and maybe a couple of booths, but only a couple, you know, it's not a huge open space. But that was, I mean, they, they feed you and the food was, it wasn't like they just, you know, killed you in quantity. It was actually good quality too. Yeah, yeah. Now, you, you know why that is with the diners, John? What? Uh, there's actually, so there's the Miss Worcester Diner, and we'll grab breakfast there someday too. And right across the street used to be the Worcester Diner Car Company. And they used to make diner cars for the train stations. So the trains, like, you know, the guys would come in to purchase the diner car, and the Miss Worcester was originally a demo version. And they'd say, yeah, we'll take this one, but we want something like this. So all the diner cars would be made out of Worcester. So Worcester's always been known for their diners. Uh, yeah, that's right. I don't think you me- I remember you mentioning that, which it yes. makes a lot of sense. So, like, you know, they made they made the one that's Carl's Diner. They made the Miss Worcester. I think the Kenmore Diner that probably burnt down with the cold storage fire, um, if I remember right. I think Ralph's Diner was probably another one. Like, there's, there's a bunch of them in Worcester that are – Worcester's always been known for their diners, and there's a lot of places that have, like, really good food. Paul Max. we got to go to Paul Max for a dinner sometime or, or a lunch or something. That's also the reason why, if you look at all Worcester street signs, there's a heart on them because it's where arteries go to die. <laughs> <laughs> It's just to show you, this is what, what a fuck? normal heart This is what yeah. a normal heart looks you know, like. Please compare got, this to your heart. <laughs> some of us got some Worcester pride here, and some of us got jokes. <laughs> hey, I, I lived in Worcester for five years. I love that town. But yeah. it's where arteries go to die. <laughs> so... So yeah, so Jerry, sometime you gotta try Carl's breakfast. I still gotta, I gotta show you Annie's Clark brunch. That yeah, is, that, that is my go-to diner. They open at, you know, four in the morning, close at, yeah. close at two thirty, and oh man, it's, yep. it's lovely. And there's also Lou Rocks. What? Lou Rocks is another great place for breakfast. Wait, what makes um, you think he has in at Carl's? What's that? What, what do I think, think Jerry has? Carl's. <laughs> oh, oh, cause you were there? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, Jerry, Jerry hasn't been to Carl's. As far as you might know. As far as I know. As far, well, I, and, and I think if Celso's alternate personality, Jerry, actually ate the ham at Carl's, he would admit it. Oh, I did. <laughs> did you follow that? Did you, did you see any of the plates of Kielbasa going around? Oh, good lord. Did you see the size of the omelets? <laughs> The, J- I, Jerry, I'm not kidding, man. I'll go up there and have a pastrami omelet, and I won't eat for three days. <laughs> it, it's like it's ridiculous. Oh man, I'm getting so hungry now. Well, what was the stat yeah. you had on the number of eggs they rifle through in a given week? Oh, I think I think he orders 2,400 dozen a week. <laughs> Good lord, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, um, he means it when they say it's the birthplace of cholesterol. <laughs> yeah, mean. oh, that place is. Yeah, that place is cool. Um and I don't know if you have, so I don't know if either one of you guys has interest. I know, Jerry, you drive out from Boston for tea. Uh, this week, and all the stores are, like, diverted because of the pre-release and stuff. And that store in Spencer that I was telling you about, um, they missed the sign-up list or whatever to, 
I don't know, host a pre-release to some shit. So I tried talking to them to see if they would actually be willing to open up to do a legacy event. And then some of the guys that do legacy have been interested to go up there. So he's, he's like, well, if you bring me four people, I'll jump in and fucking play. I mean, if you bring me seven, I don't think he can sanction it though, the way Wizards works. I don't think he can sanction an event on pre-release weekend. But, um, if he can get some people to go up there, and he's willing to open up anyway, and we could sit around and play legacy. And John, if you wanted to come up, you could, uh, you know, show you the tiny leaders deck. We can all go, go grab breakfast in advance. If you guys want to wait till next week, we can do that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I go up, Jerry might not be there, but you that's know. true. Well, <laughs> well but if he goes, I might not be there. I was actually thinking next Sunday. I think I'm doing EDH, but I can probably convince the guys to come. Is Spencer the Ice Import store? No, Ice Imports is down in Connecticut. Okay. Um, which is usually the last Sunday of the month they do fifteen dollars sealed, and they're going to start doing fifteen dollars sealed in Spencer too. So I'm debating if I if I would actually take the drive. Like Spencer's not going to do it with store credit because it's not it's not as big a store. They like a couple of kids just opened up. It's more like a playroom. Um, I mean they have some cards, but it's uh, it's it's is is Spencer to the west of Worcester? I'm just I don't think I've ever been there before. Yeah, it's west. Like I mean if 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 uh. Uh, we can figure that out later on in the week too, because now it's actually almost ten. Yeah, we, I've, we've, I've, been, I've, we've been recording I've, for almost three hours now. I've, I've, been get, <laughs> I've been getting looks from the wife for a good half hour now, well, and, and we just had that conversation with Medina last week. Yes, <laughs> and that's why I record in the office with the door shut. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, See, she's, I she's, do that too, but people just open the door and come in. I need this. Yep, oh, I need this. Oh, I need this. Jerry, that's because you're recording on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so. So local? <laughs> yeah, so if, if you guys want to do any uh, anything, let me know this weekend. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'll let you know. Um, yeah, I'll try and convince my EDH group to play Legacy instead. So. So what did you think of, uh, now that you've been to TE for Legacy, what was your impression, John? I thought it was fantastic. Um, granted, I I feel like I have such disdain for my own local scene with Legacy <laughs> that it's What's not very that? hard to, to make you know make it fantastic. But but it, it was, I like the, the feel of the room. Like, everybody was fairly upbeat. Like, everybody was playing a, a diverse set of decks. Um mm-hmm. Like, everybody was really interested to talk the format. It wasn't like people were coming in just to, like, strictly spike a tournament, get in, get out type of deal. People mm-hmm. actually liked the format and want to play it. Um, I, it definitely did not have a gigantic amount of cloud posts in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, that's, and, that's what I love about that, Z, is, like, you go in, you're talking to people, it's like, oh, what do you want today? And they, like, you hand you, they hand you your list, and, you like, you look through it, and then parents come out, and it's like, oh, looks like we're playing round one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, so, so, Jerry, you might get a kick out of this. Me, me and Celso and Kyle showed up down to tea really early because we went out for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 10 o'clock, they open up with there at like 10.05. Can you open the front room? They let us in. We sit down. We start playing some games. And Celso's got Burning Reanimator, and I got Tin Fins, and we're just going back and forth doing, right. like, nothing either way. Uh, and uh, so we so we play for a while. Round one pairings go up. And who am I facing, Jerry? <laughs> I'm going to go with Celso. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I knew he was playing Bug, which is like a really bad matchup for Tin Fins. And at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, I hope he beats me. I hope he beats me. Because he's playing Abrupt Decay. And I just want to see Abrupt Decay beat me. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but the nice thing was, like, I didn't have to give it to him. He just got me, I think it was in, was it two? It was in two, right, John? Uh, yeah, I think it was. 
Yeah, I think you got me in two. And um, and why don't you tell Jerry what you were playing? Oh, so I was playing the a very uh, uh pretty close. I want to say seventy out of seventy five, maybe of the Bug Delver deck that top aided in Portland, the one that had. Delver Secrets, Death oh, Rite Shaman, and Death's yes. Shadow. Oh, the Death's Shadow one. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. That deck looks sick. Because I yeah. saw the mana base, and I was like, I actually have the cards for it. Because yeah. my my I basically started with Storm. At, well, I mean, I played Affinity and other jank, but like my first more serious deck was Storm. So I had like pair of underground seas, a trap, a volcanic, and I'm like, oh, I actually I could I could build to this thing. But some of the things I didn't like about it was the like I had a main deck kill yourself uh, aspect. <laughs> well no, actually that wasn't bad. Because like there's only three death shadows, so you can play with like a typical Delver start, like alright, play a Delver, flip it, abrupt decay your thing, force will your thing, and not like have to worry about your life total. Um, in the combo matchups you want to be more of the beatdown. So, like, I think I think it played out when I was playing a game with Kyle. He was playing Reanimator, and I had to race him. So, like, I purposely was, like, fetching for Shocklands to fuel some Death Shadows, like, very, very large Death Shadows. So, like, even if I crashed in, he might even have to, you know, dare I say, try to, like, jump block with Grizzlebrand because they're right. so big. Um, well, don't and they- with combo, they're going to win anyways, so you might as well... If they get their combo off, they win no matter what your life total is, so you yeah, might as well exactly. just use your life total's resource. Exactly, and like, in the Delver Mirrors, like, especially with Blue-Red, what I found was, in playtesting, that they punch you in the face enough to you get to a life total where you just play the Death Shadow, like, you weren't, you're not yeah. like looking for shocks or anything, it's like, boom, there's a 4-4 four, four for 1, or a 5-5 five, five for 1, like, <laughs> deal with that. <laughs> yeah, that too, uh, yep. Also, so, Sylvan Library is your best friend in the combo matchup. It's like, t- pay eight life, draw two cards, pump up my Death Shadow. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think um, Library is a good card. Like, I just didn't think there was enough matchups in the main deck to warrant it, but I definitely kept it within my 75. Yeah. So, to kind of very quickly run through the list, if I remember off the top of my head, I had the, yeah, the Delver's Death Race, the Death Shadow, the Force of Wills, the, where is it? Soltite Delver, here we go. Um, the Abrupt Decays, the Brainstorms, um, he, the, I kept the probes, I was debating whether to play Probe or Days, and I kept the probe in, because I figured I could fish for some information, or worst case scenario, I could maybe pitch it to Force of Will, if I don't need to to do the peak um, by any means. And also, I was playing a Treasure Cruise, so I'm like, well, Probe might actually has a positive interaction with that. Right. Um, so I played three Treasure fake the days. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's like we just talked about before. People were putting me on days when I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, had the Ponders. I played three Treasure Cruise because I figured I'm going to rifle through my deck a little bit, but not at the pace of Blue-Red to play four. Um, and I played, oh, a Bullet Scavenging. Yeah, the Bullets were fun. The Scavenger Goose main deck, um, mm-hmm. Golgari Charm main deck, which was fantastic, and um, the Mirror Charm main deck, that was fantastic as well. And then in the board, you had, like, uh, Maelstrom Pulse, another Golgari Charm, two Surgicals. That's how I got Adrian one of the games. He went to, he went for the combo, and he just surgicaled the Grizzlebrands. Um, <laughs> fluster Storms, three Fluster Storms, uh, another Scavenger Goose, a Notion Thief, because Good. Notion Thief. <laughs> the, card, the one card they didn't like in my board was like, it had three in the Torak, and I thought it was probably for Storm. 
And I probably would end up cutting it because yeah. there really wasn't many matchups where that card's very live. It's just not very good. It, it, oh, it and another me. fantastic card in this deck that incidentally pe- plays all well the Death Shadow, Toxic Deluge. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, even for zero. It pumps, yeah. the, it pumps the Death Shadow for the same amount that it, you're uh, minusing it, so it yep. can never die. <laughs> right. So, so uh, John played me round one. Yep. I think, I think you... And, and of course... At some point, I think maybe round two, I played Aaron, and, and I'm like, and I was telling Aaron outside, I'm like, you're gonna love the deck when you see that what this guy's playing, and he's like, why? What's that? So, me and Aaron, I think we're playing round two, and Celso, I think was playing James Keenan. Yep. And, and uh, as soon as I heard Celso say Death Shadow, I'm like, Aaron, that's why, because <laughs> <laughs> Aaron plays that deck in modern sometimes. Yep. And uh, and I think the most interesting play that I wasn't expecting to see. Uh, what happened, John? Somebody swords your Delver and made the Death Shadow die. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot if it was Brent who was playing Esper Deathblade, or it, it might have been Brent. Yeah, it might have been, or or it was um, who did you just mention the D and T player? Oh, Aaron. Aaron. It might have been one of them. Where it's like I was at, what was it? I was at ten, so I had a three three Death Shadow, and he swords the Delver to put me at thirteen, which then killed the. Kill the Death Shadow. Value. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was the weird thing, but, like, Death Shadow in the matchup with James, he's playing um, Rug Standstill. Like, that's a really hard, hard card for him to get him off the board once he's, like, a 6-6 six, six or a 5-5. Five, five. Oh, like, yeah. He needs multiple Punishing Fires to even try to get that off. So, yep. like, it was a cool battle, game one, of, like, all right, I'm drawing to the Death Shadow to fight that, and then keep that on the board for a few turns and and win off of that. And um, I think I ended up barely... I lost the race uh, that game, but then the second game, he played a... I played a turn one Delver into a turn two Landstill and just beat, beat down a Delver, and we drew. Ended up drawing the third game. So I had win, draw, played, Esper Death played, picked up a loss because I had some abysmal draws. I think I saw half my lands, maybe more, (laughs) each game. And then uh, played Enchantress and beat up on that. Uh, Because Abrupt Decay is a fantastic card. (laughs) Yes, it was Curtis. And then played Death and Taxes, which was a really, really good... Were you there for the third game, Adrian, that we played? Because probably that was pretty I mean, nutty. I didn't leave till the end. Well, like first game, I think I beat down. I was on the Delver beatdown plan, and then second game, it looked like it was going well in my favor. And then I see the following card come up: Angel of Jubilation. Yes. All right. Yep. You were, yeah, <laughs> I was there for that. Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> so Avacyn restored. It's one white, white, white for a three-three. Other non-black creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and Players, I think, can't pay pay life or sacrifice permanence to pay for spells or activate abilities. And he was trying to land that against me with Grizzlebrand, too. Yeah. So, like, you can't fetch land. You can't get tax and probe mm-hmm. for life. You can't... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't um, put shock lands in untapped. Can't, um, can't force a will. Yeah, you can't force a will. Like, it was, there was a lot of things. And plus the fact that it was a four drop, which is out of abrupt decay range, like, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I didn't board in my Maelstrom Pulse. Oh, I can't Toxic Deluge him off the board. That was a big... Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think... What was I drawing to? I was drawing to, like... And it's a 3-3, three, three, so it's out of Massacre range. Yeah, I think I was drawing to something like... Golgari Charm to knock it to a 2-2, and then Demir Charm it off the board. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, it was something that was really out there. Like, I had to do this and that to kill it without, you know, boarding for the third game. And then the third game, we got to a pretty unique spot where, like, I thought I could deal with the board and I could draw a live card, or I could dredge Dark Blast to deal with, because I think he had, what was it? He had Thalia, um, Sarah Avenger. Yeah, he had Thalia and Sarah Avenger, and I had Deathrite Shaman. So, like, my, my line was something like, I could, um, block the Thalia, or block the Thalia, had three mana available, I could, um, abrupt decay the, uh, Sarah Avenger, and then jump at the Chaman, untap, and I think Dark Blast the Thalia, and I think I had Treasure Cruise, and like, just enough cards or something like that, um, to really get back in my favor, but he had, um, was it Frixian Revoker, and it turned in his favor. So it was like one of those really close ones that I think I could have turned it around and went three one one. Um which is still not bad for a crazy bug delver deck with Death Shadow. <laughs> yeah, you've been top four with that, so you you could have got paid on that. That that's yeah. what I like about that Z is three one one is sometimes enough to top four. And that Z payout's actually really good. I don't know if you noticed the the payout structure oh, yeah. while you were there. It was fantastic, yeah. It's something like like four hundred dollars in store credit if there's more than sixteen people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I, I I like the vibe of the room. That like that's I mean heck you you saw me reach back out to you like hey what's going on this weekend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, the thing is the thing is John, uh, you know you get to see a lot of players there, but you didn't even see like there's there's a lot of great guys who actually weren't even there. Like um, normally you'd see Josh Sissio. Oh yeah. You know, he, he wasn't there. Uh, Nick was there, uh, Jay wasn't there, Steve wasn't there, Dan wasn't there. Um, you know, there's a lot of like really uh-huh. fucking strong, great players. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> am I missing somebody? Uh-huh. Well, he was talking about me, so he was talking about you. Uh, yeah, and you, and you didn't see Jerry, so we're gonna have to do breakfast. Yeah, I'm actually. I said I'm looking at the calendar. I don't think I'm gonna be able to make it for a while, which sucks. Why is that? Well, this weekend's the pre-release. Uh, next weekend, uh, the weekend after that, oh, I'm going to be, uh, in the Berkshires. The weekend after that, Sunday, is the last Sunday of the month, so it's modern. Alright, so what you're telling me is, like, I'll be seeing Celso for the next month. <laughs> yeah, like, suddenly it'll swap back and I'll start seeing you again. And then the first weekend in February, and, and, I'm going to be in Philly. So I'm not going to be able to go back to that Z until, like, February 14th. Well, then you know what? At the end of the month when they do Modern Me and you should take a ride down to Ice Imports and go do Seal. Ah, that's a good idea. There you go. You could do that, too. Go to Bear Smokehouse down in Windsor that's by I, the airport. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And, uh, yeah, so we could do some breakfast. So, if so, Celso, if you want to come up do some breakfast this weekend, you know, hit us up on Twitter. I put the Facebook link in the chat, too. Oh, I'm already so, there. All right, for the Facebook group, yeah. Then in that case, I should try to make sure that I add you. Um all right, so then that's all good. I think uh, I think we're ready to go in the top eight, right? Yeah, sounds about right. Sounds good. Top eight pairings have been posted.
So, special guests, anybody, John Celso, anybody that you'd like to scoop into Top 8? Yeah, well, first and foremost, i got to scoop you guys in the Top 8 for uh, having me back on to talk some legacy and... Uh, my clone is also on the cast. <laughs> or it's really me. Highly, highly intricate pre-recording. <laughs> you know, actually, Celso, I gotta say, you are the first returning guest. You're the first person that actually said yes twice. All right. <laughs> that, that's almost like that's almost like. Uh... <laughs> For a second, I was just like, did I black out the episode that that Celso came on? Then I realized, like, oh, that's the episode I wasn't here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I was there, so you never know. I mean That's that's the birth of the legend. <laughs> yeah. So I mean if if Adrian starts seeing me playing a Frixian Dreadnought deck, he might get really, <laughs> really suspicious. Where, where Jerry's actually sitting down with Lion's Eye Diamonds playing Ant. <laughs> <laughs> my my whole my whole world crumbles. <laughs> okay. So that's uh, the easier. Uh, shout out to, to the guy from Carl's that was hysterical. Oh, oh, Paul? Paul oh yeah. my god. Oh, Jerry, we didn't even tell you. He's got toasters there. Oh god, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the toasters make pictures. And, and they oh. range from Jesus to yep. a penis. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and he said, uh, oh god, how did he put it, John? Some woman came in. She's like, "Oh, I need, I need some of this toast. I'm gonna bring it home to my mother-in-law. She hasn't seen one of these in years." <laughs> <laughs> just... Jesus or the yeah. penis? Oh, uh, it was, it, it wasn't Jesus. <laughs> she was not bringing her mother-in-law Jesus. Good. Um, all right, who else? Else? Uh, I gotta scoop uh, my buddy Houston into the top eight too. I mean, definitely. Oh, get, we get on the mic every week to do a little tap and sack podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, I'll scoop uh, the TO over a TE for running a sweet weekly legacy event. Oh, yeah, Nate? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for running a legacy event that's not Cloudpost City. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- and I think we're all pretty aware of uh, of a lot of the Cloudpost players that you're running into. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's cool that there's like a, you know, like a niche, uh, I mean, not a niche legacy deck, but like a off the beaten trail legacy deck that has such a concentration of that, like, people are trying to perfect it. Like, that's kind of cool, but... Yeah, and it's so good against Miracles. Yeah, but if your weeklies is, like, all that... <laughs> oh, yeah, you get you get tired of seeing it. I'm so tired of seeing Delver. Yeah. Well, at least <laughs> Delver's everywhere. <laughs> well, you're saying the same thing about 12 Post where you're at, then. At least 12 Post is everywhere. <laughs> I could show up in, like, you know, Catskill, New York, and not really see much Cloud Post, or, you know... Okay, sure, sure, <laughs> definitely. Alright. Uh, right. And I guess I shouted him out, but I'll scoop Brain Defoe into the top eight also. Right. Long time, uh, long time listener. Um, I, I think that's, that's, I mean, and I'm gonna scoop Bacon into the top eight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how could you, how could you not scoop the bacon? I mean, it's crispy, it's delicious, it goes with tons of things. Mm. I mean, so, so a couple of folks and, and a nice slab of bacon. I, I actually had bacon stuffed shells the other day. They were delicious. Oh my oh god! god. <laughs> I, it is everything. I I just, it is everything you think they are. <laughs> I think. I think. I think I just came. <laughs> the, the best way they came about is I was making stuffed shells, and my buddy was like, "Hey, should we like add bacon to this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, just why not? It's it's bacon." Yep. So just took bacon, shredded it, added it into the the stuffing of the stuffed shells. Worked out perfectly. <laughs> Oh, oh my God, this is beautiful! Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> okay, uh, 
How about Jerry? Um, well, I mean, obviously I have to scoop Celso into play, uh, into top eight. Uh, I think this is actually the first time we've ever spoken. Just so many near misses over the last year. Or just we were pre-recording one track and then play the other one. Down. <laughs> they can never know. <laughs> we need a hashtag for this, like yes. hashtag Jerrygate or. <laughs> Uh, it already exists. I have a dark and seedy past. <laughs> um, I'm also going to scoop in the Mohegan Sun uh, Tribal Council. Thank you for not taking all my money this weekend. That was really nice of you. <laughs> After 12 hours of gambling, I broke even, so I think that's a win. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, uh, uh, also, scooping in uh, Adrian for the great birthday present. Gave me a bunch of proxy dual lands for EDH. Uh, plus a bunch of other sweet dual lands. Um, and yeah, uh, that, that's good for me. Alright. Uh, so, top eight, I'm, I'm gonna put Aaron in, cause he's actually always been a fucking cool guy to play with. And, uh, so, oh, definitely Celso, man. Fucking breakfast was a blast. I'm glad you came up for that. I'm glad you, I'm glad you got the chance to check out T. And, uh, uh, you forgot, yeah, you I forgot guess bacon. You, you forgot bacon. No, you know what? <laughs> uh, top eight, like above all, how did how did the lovely Lita? How Jerry? <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I gotta, I gotta get to the lovely Lita. <laughs> so I think I think with that, uh, that's all my top eights for this week. And and you guys get all your top eights in for this week. I I think we're good for some sign offs. All right, and uh, I guess that's it. And. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got we're done. And, yeah. and scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I hope you guys all have a good week and uh look for John Celso at Balduvian Bears on Twitter. And uh what is it? Facebook backslash Balduvian Bear? Yep, I'm on the Facebook as well. And and listen to him on Tap and Sack. Yep. And we'll uh we'll catch you guys later on. Take it easy, guys. See ya. The tournament is over and the store is closing. Feel free to see us during normal business hours by emailing the show at leavingalegacymtg at gmail.com. You can also find the hosts on Twitter with Adrian at Mathema Trickster and Jerry at JMEE3RD. You can also join the Leaving a Legacy Facebook group to stay connected. 